Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. of the Hagman Report. It is Wednesday, November 17th, 2018. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. First hour, handling the news, uh, news of his own, Peter Barry Chauka, our very own, I like to say, Peter Barry Chauka, uh, quite the intellect and the prolific author. I mean, when you when you total up his articles just perhaps uh, over the last 12 months, you could probably get a book or two out of his articles, right on point. Three articles appearing on the Hagman Report website, HagmanReport.com. Folks, bookmark HagmanReport.com, please. Also, uh, do us a couple of, hey, hey, do us a solid, will you? Uh, do us a couple of favors, if you don't mind. Number one, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh, how important that is, because it is changing. By subscribing, it does affect the the algorithms and and the the visibility. We are fighting an uphill battle with with respect to uh, being buried by anything conservative, anything Christian, and especially Christian conservative, being buried. So subscribe, it does help us. And if you think you're subscribed, double-check because we've been getting notices, hey, I've been unsubscribed, and I subscribed a while back. Well, please double-check. Also, follow us on social networking or no social networking feeds at Hagman Report um, in our uh, individual feeds as well. I'm also, by the way, myself, I'm on Gab, gab.ai. Fantastic platform. I'm just getting started. Gab.ai. I'm there at Doug Hagman. And by the way, I'm verified. Whereas Twitter, not, nah, you can't be verified. Nope, I'm t- verified over there. So, a voice for conservatives, gab.ai, at Doug Hagman. And we'll be uh, also having a, a program presence there as well, I'm sure. Tracy Bean's second hour, fantastic. This, that uh, I can't wait for the second hour as well. Um, but a couple of things just starting out very quickly. Joe, you've got the fake new. Oh, a couple of other favors as well, please. So if you like what you're hearing and if you like our uh, litany of programs, the Doug Hagman Radio Show, 9 to 10 Eastern Time in the morning, um, subscribe to that via BTR. Okay, please do that. It does help. Again, it helps the uh, visibility. So that's the Doug Hagman Radio Show, 9 to 10 on Blog Talk Radio, as well as Global Star. But subscribe to that via BTR. And the Hagman Daily Report, 2 to 3, same, same deal. Global Star Radio uh, Radio Network, as well as BTR, subscribe there. Again, it helps us. Even if you just don't listen, it helps us. All right. So uh, the other issue we are on, we have a Patreon uh, presence. So if you would like to see, if you'd like to help us in our quest to get the the news out there and to keep uh, keep going and keep growing, Patreon as well as PayPal. Thank you. Your prayers, your words of support, always welcome. Thank you. And uh, the other aspect, of course, uh, or the the other thing I want to mention is uh, watch our YouTube feed 
after the show tonight, I'm, I'll be uploading a, uh, it's about a 14 minute video that addresses the motive. You know, we talk about the Russian, uh, the, the dossier. Oh, the, the, you hear about the dossier. You talk about the Russian spying. People are talking about that. Uh, or, or the Russian collusion, the alleged Russian collusion. But the spying by the American intelligence agencies against American citizens, including and especially Donald Trump and those around him, before, during, and after his presidency, or before uh, the election, that is. What's up with that? You know the how, you know the who, but what's the reason behind it? That that the video that I uploaded or will upload, I just did it. Just uh, I just finished it about five minutes ago. Will address the reasons why. You've got motive, means, opportunity. Certainly, the opportunity was there. The the means were have been addressed. Uh, the uh, individuals involved, but why? The motive. This addresses the motive, and I think once you see the bigger picture and understand this did not happen. Uh, on a lark or in a vacuum and see the bigger picture of the dots connect, bam, you're going to fully understand why we are being lied to, uh, why we have been lied to, and what were they covering up by this Russian dossier story. What were they covering up? I'd like to remind you that it was in, uh, when was it? It was in 2009 when Hillary Clinton handed Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, that red reset button. Remember that? Hmm. And the relations were going to get better. And then, of course, 2012, the debates with Romney, um, Barack Hussein Obama, in the debates saying, hey, the 1980s called and wants your foreign policy back. The Cold War's been over for 20 years. Suddenly, once Donald Trump became the nominee, on the Republican side, everything changed. Russia went from a cooperative ally of sorts to the, to the boogeyman. Why? And I'll tell you why. Well, I do tell you why in the, in the video. It's to cover something up. But what is that something? Just so make sure you check out the Hagman Report YouTube channel as well. And, our own Barry Chalka has his own space on our YouTube channel. For some reason, the last YouTube, uh, the, the last segment, for some reason, we were having a, a tremendous amount of difficulty getting that to upload. We finally, as of five minutes ago, Eric just wiped the sweat off his brow, and uh, with Eric and Jackie and, and everyone's help, got that video finally to upload. So, having said that, it'll be good. It'll be present after the program. That was Barry, Peter Barry Chalka's last uh, appearance with us. So, I'm going to kick it over to you for the fake news news. Well, we uh, are are really uh, waiting for the President's fake news awards. Now, there are um, some questions as to where and when this is happening. There's a YouTube video out there and that is not what they a live YouTube video, which is not anything i'd say it's clickbait but we're waiting for the president to tweet out his fake news awards and the press has a huge problem with this uh there was a, a post uh, an article on the washington post that talked about how the fake news awards and trump's battle with the media undermines the first amendment and i think that's so funny you know we saw the video from the press corps yesterday for an hour ta- asking the doctor who examined trump all these ridiculous questions. I mean, these people are 
their their mind is gone. They they it, it, that's an embarrassment to our country the way that these people. You act know, I, I would have said this if I was if I would have been that doctor, I would have looked at that that one who was asking the questions about the mental acuity mental. Uh, what in the world is wrong with you? You know, I would have asked that person that. What's what's wrong with you? Limbaugh said it was uh, childish and unhinged, and it was. There's an article up on Hagman Report with a video video montage that was put together by the Washington Free Beacon that strings the questions together in, in a minute and a half video. And you just listen to those questions, and you want to rip your hair out. But it's also humorous. They've lost the respect for the office of the presidency. If we had done that with Obama or anyone else had done that, mm-hmm. it would not have been tolerated. No, it would not have. But the argument that this somehow undermines the First Amendment, if anything, this is a testament to the First Amendment, as the media apparently is allowed to lie and make stuff up as they go. Trump is allowed to retaliate against those lies and has the freedom of speech to present the fake news awards, which is what we are are waiting, and we will keep that updated as we continue to move forward on this show. But let's bring on Peter Barry Chowka, as he does have three new pieces up on HagmanReport.com. And here they are. <laughs> Well, you can you can go on the on the website. Sorry about that, uh, but but here I'll tell you what fantastic uh, journalistic prowess here. Uh, new series on Clinton scandals coming to Fox News. Yeah, Fake news and toxic. Yeah, show coming on Fox yeah. News about uh, the scandals of Hillary Clinton. And I didn't know about that until I read the article from Peter, and I'm I'm excited about and, that. And you you know how people make funny uh, fun of the the TikTok by Sean Hannity. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be making fun of that TikTok stuff. And, and, uh, I do sometimes because he oh. uses it in weird ways. I mean, it, I it would be an effective tool if he used it for like huge bombshells. But sometimes he'll, you know, put the TikTok out there, and then nothing will, will come, or it'll be something that well, he, he's inside the head of many, many uh, of, the, of the of the journalists. It's amazing how uh, both President Trump as well as as uh, Sean Hannity, and, and even our our own Peter Barry Chaka, uh, gets in the head of the progressive leftist media go ahead peter welcome back to the show thank you and uh good evening it's great to be with you again hey it's great to have you and i see okay now who is that in the background is that biggie? this is uh, the third appearance by biggie right. the cat uh we've yet to be able to lure lulu in front of the cameras but uh the catnip once again did it and Biggie is here on display for probably a short time, but there he is. He's got his own fan club, I think. Uh, uh, people yeah. at the YouTube chat comment on him, so you know I like to uh, please the crowd, as it were. Well, well, that's good. In fact, uh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for his own like Facebook or Twitter page. Um, that's He's coming. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Lady the Studio Dog. I, I'm, I'm, he, she's been bugging me about a, a Twitter account, and I just said no. But anyway. Uh, where to start, Peter? Where to start? You've got three great, fantastic articles on HagmanReport.com. You're a prolific author. Writer is fantastic. The pieces uh, I've just read and reread, my goodness, the amount of time that it takes you to go into this. I'm not going to, you know, it's not false flattery or, or just extended flattery. It's it's really a testament to your, uh, to your assessment of current events. Where, where do you want to start here? Well, thank you again for that, that generous introduction. And I would just like to say to the listeners and viewers that uh, they're invited to... Oh. Biggie, control yourself, Biggie. <laughs> we, we, we had a little too much catnip there, didn't we? As Biggie takes the place apart. Okay. 
I would invite listeners and viewers to go to HagmanReport.com, and on the right-hand column uh, is a listing of my articles, and there you will get the complete story of uh, what I've been covering in recent days and weeks, including the three brand-new articles today. But I guess uh, in, in attempting to read between the lines and connect the dots, uh, it's becoming harder and harder, that, as I think you'll agree, because there are more dots in the air uh, every day, it seems, as things become more complex and more crazy and unpredictable. And so to try to read the tea leaves and, and connect those dots is increasingly difficult. But I think up to bottom line it, we can say, and I think you'll agree with me on this because I've heard you guys say it too, that we are in the midst of a soft coup, a coup d'etat, against President Donald Trump by the elements of the shadow government and the deep state. And as we look back over the last year, now that we're close to the one-year anniversary of President Trump taking office, this really becomes very, very clear. And we actually have statistics to back up what's been going on. Vis-a-vis the mainstream news media, which has been weaponized to help to advance this coup d'etat, uh, there was a new study that came out yesterday from the Media Research Center published at Newsbusters. And the Media Research Center looked at every broadcast network newscast, the three nightly newscasts on ABC, CBS, and NBC for the year 2017, and analyzed every single story that they did. And they found, again, not to our surprise at all, that over 90% of the coverage of President Trump was negative. And uh, this co- compares, of course, with overwhelmingly positive coverage of President Obama, not only in his first year as president, but pretty much through his eight years. So we've seen a complete flip in what the media has been doing. And, of course, from our point of view and from, I think, a rational point of view, the vast majority of this negative coverage of Donald Trump has been completely unwarranted. Uh, Other studies last year, which came out in the fall, show that Fox News, which is often derided as fake or faux news by leftists, actually was the closest to fair and balanced, giving President Trump about 50-50 equal negative positive coverage on their news broadcasts. So uh, that's what's going on there. Now, uh, another bottom line I see is that all of these issues that are coming at us fast and furious, whether it's the immigration issue. Um, Skype, please. Skype has had having issues. Either, last either that or I thought maybe Peter had a... No, I'm telling you, there's been something going on yeah. with, with Skype the last few days, and I, I don't know... If this is a continuation of that, but interesting, definitely. Well, you know, he makes a good point. We're at day number 363 of the Donald Trump presidency, and uh, for 300 and uh, you know, really for for as long as I can remember, since he was a presumptive nominee, it's been a full frontal assault against Donald Trump. And even we've got Peter that. back. Yeah, even before that, we got we got uh, Peter back. Okay, I, I don't know where we left off there, but uh, I was ranting about. The bottom line for me in many of these stories we see today, uh, which come at us fast and furious, is they're about the redistribution of wealth in this country. If we look at uh, the fight over DACA and illegal immigration, this is about wealth redistribution because the powers that be, the powers of the left, want to continue to flood this country with millions upon millions of low-skilled uh, non-English speaking 
uh, people from poverty-stricken countries who will immediately, many of them, most of them, go on welfare programs when they get here. Notwithstanding this propaganda we're hearing from CNN and elsewhere that uh, the immigrants that come here from Africa and elsewhere all have PhDs or you know, are ready to be the next Nobel Prize winners or valedictorians. No, obviously that's not the truth, and the statistics bear it out. So we have the insinuation of the socialist-communist takeover of this country, which began 50-plus years ago, and this is one of the uh, weapons that they're using. We also see a, a continue, uh, continued uh, downscaling of the popular culture. The popular culture is now, in my opinion, at the lowest point it's ever been since we've had a popular culture in the United States for the past, say, 100 years or so since the rise of electronic media. And here's uh, the latest indication of this, in my opinion. On January 28th, the Grammy Awards will take place, uh, the awards for uh, musical accomplishment in this country, this year being broadcast from Madison Square Garden. And for the first time in the history of the Grammy Awards, which go way back, I think, to the 1940s or 50s, uh, rap and hip-hop are going to rule the show. A majority of the performers represent rap and hip-hop, and a majority of the nominees represent rap and hip-hop. Now, uh, I don't know what you guys think of rap and hip-hop. I've made an, an informal study, study of it about 10 years ago, and it's gotten, in my opinion, even worse since then. But this, to That's me, all I listen to, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, and meanwhile, it, rap and hip hop are now the most popular musical genre in the United States in terms of sales of uh, CDs and uh, streaming audio, streaming songs, streaming music. They've eclipsed rap and hip hop has now eclipsed rock and roll. And it's number one. You know, meanwhile, as I think I pointed out previously, classical music, which used to be heard frequently, including in the mainstream media, is basically gone from uh, the public airwaves and the public consciousness. So that's another indication there that, uh, you know, as, as the culture leads, the politics follows. And the culture today is in the gutter, in my opinion. So what do we expect from our politics? Um, Moving right along, another elephant in the room, I would say, uniting a lot of these stories, particularly what's being directed and aimed at President Trump and his administration, kind of the un unrealized or unreported story, is the fact that everything that's going on to try to get him and get him out of office has depended on the mass surveillance of our country through the NSA and other uh, government agencies. You know, we know that uh, the Obama administration approved surveillance of Trump and his associates in the fall of 2016, and this was ratcheted up after Trump won the election, and that is what, by the circuitous route, led to the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who is now obviously gunning for President Trump and moving closer and closer to some of his top aides. In the last day, uh, Steve Bannon, one of President Trump's former top aides, and today, uh, along uh well, it was either Mueller or one of the congressional committees today heard from uh, Corey Lewandowski. So uh, this is going in a bad direction. Uh, as we know, I've done a lot of reporting on the cable news wars and Fox News in particular. And uh, as you mentioned, Joe, one of my articles today at the Hagman Report 
is news that broke yesterday when Fox News sent out a press release, and I got one, which is highlighting a brand new series that they're introducing this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. And the program is called Scandalous. And the first seven parts of this Scandalous series, which is projected as an ongoing series, the first seven parts to be presented seven Sundays in a row at 8 p.m. Eastern and Pacific will be on the Clinton scandals from the 1990s, starting with uh, 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 the land scandal, I'm forgetting the name of it now, in in, uh, Arkansas, Whitewater and uh, moving up through the Lewinsky scandal. And by the way, today, uh, January 17th, 2018, is the exact 20th anniversary of Matt Drudge at his DrudgeReport.com breaking the news worldwide that a scandal was about to uh, be broken involving Bill Clinton and, as of that point, January 17th, 1998, an unnamed intern. Within three days, that intern would be named as Monica Lewinsky, and uh, all H would break loose in the next 15 months, uh, resulting in Bill Clinton's uh, impeachment and his trial in the Senate, uh, which, of course, he was acquitted of for uh, obstruction of justice and uh, lying to a grand jury. But uh, that was very interesting news to see that Fox is presenting this program because as parallels have been made with uh, Mueller's investigation of Trump and all the calls by the various Democrat politicians for Trump's impeachment, which began shortly after he was inaugurated last January, uh, many times the left is trying to draw parallels with Richard Nixon. That's their favorite person who was impeached. And almost totally avoided and never mentioned is the actual impeachment trial of uh, President Bill Clinton. Now, Richard Nixon was not actually impeached. Articles of impeachment were voted against him in the House Judiciary Committee. Then the whole House was supposed to vote, and then it would have gone to trial in the Senate. But uh, Nixon resigned before the full House could vote articles of impeachment. So he was not technically impeached. He resigned before impeachment. Bill Clinton was impeached by the House and went to a full trial in the Senate. So hopefully the um, uh, the downscaling of that news in the past year will now get some publicity with this seven-part uh, upcoming series on Fox News. And I watched the trailer of it which Fox put online, and I linked to that in my article. And it's it's a documentary series. I don't believe it's going to be uh, reenactments by actors or anything like that. It looks like a serious a series. But this also that we we shouldn't take from that uh, any uh, any feeling that Fox News itself is on the right track now. As we know, as I've been reporting, as we discussed numerous times, Fox News for the past year and a half has been in a state of chaos. And we don't need to review all the details again, but uh, it, it became known within the past week that sources at Fox News are reporting anonymously that the place is still in a chaotic state, and some have used the term leaderless. Uh, we know that Roger Peter, Ailes... I just want yes. to ask you this. I don't mean to jump in, but this is a great place to do so. With uh, news I read today about uh, Rupert Murdoch hospitalized with a serious back injury and has been working from home since before the new year. And uh, I don't know, uh, he uh, has a, that deal with, uh, and Fox has the deal, um, you know, selling 
everything but Fox Sports and Fox News. So, uh, is this what you're talking about? The, the leadership with, with Murdoch not being at it's, the helm and? Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I, it's in my notes to bring it up. But yes, Rupert Murdoch, who remains an influential force at Fox News, but his sons are also, of course, sharing, uh, running the place now. Uh, but yes, Rupert Mur- Murdoch is pretty much out of action on the front lines for the foreseeable future. And, but even before his accident, uh, which he had apparently on one of his son's boats, where he fell and badly injured his back, uh, and of course he's 86 years old, and uh, when you have a serious bone injury like that, it's not good. But, um, you know, even before that accident, Fox News obviously has been quote-unquote leaderless compared to the 20-year reign of Roger Ailes, the original co-founder and CEO of Fox News who was uh, asked to leave in July of 2016, and Fox News has not been the same place since. Now, at least the channel got its prime time scheduled together this past fall, and that's a very tight-knit and pretty much fair and balanced conservative three hours of programming. Although I do notice in pretty much monitoring every night that increasingly uh, the three programs, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, and Tucker Carlson, seem to be incorporating more and more leftists on the show to debate them. You know, people like Jessica Tarloff, Juan Williams, Richard Fowler, these people who just take up airtime with their uh, talking points that basically waste time. And the shows really only have about 39 minutes for the hour when you subtract the commercial. So vital time is being taken up by these left-wing hacks. And it remains to be seen where Fox News is going to go this year. But uh, close scrutiny is advised, and I wouldn't put it past the channel to to have a major uh, future reconfiguring, depending on what happens. And by the way, right before the broadcast, I just checked the latest ratings, and uh, in the past week, according to TV News or Adweek, uh, Fox News finished number one in total day ratings. However, the significant rating is prime time, where it finished number two, I believe, certainly in the demographic, which is the key rating there. So Rachel Maddow at MSNBC at 9 p.m. Eastern is still uh, beating Sean Hannity in the demographic most nights. And it's a really closely bunched group of the three channels now, CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC. MSNBC and Fox News are pretty much continuing to fight it out for first place, CNN keeping up the rear. But on some nights, CNN does surprisingly well in the ratings, especially when there's some kind of breaking news. And apparently a lot of the public still thinks that CNN is the CNN of days past, where they were relatively fair and objective compared to the uh, nonsensical left-wing radical echo chamber that it's become now. I mean, in the past week, well, here's an example. Today at uh, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, Fox News for more than an hour broadcast live, commercial-free, proceedings from the U.S. Capitol where former Senator Bob Dole was accorded a... uh, a gold medal uh, award by the U.S. Congress, which is the most prestigious award that the Congress can give to a person. And President Trump was there, Vice President Pence, they spoke. 
Uh, Senator Dole himself even spoke haltingly from his wheelchair. There were a variety of, of speakers. This one was an important event carried live by Fox News and by C-SPAN. Well, I switched over to CNN at one point to see if they were covering it, and I was really surprised to see not only were they not covering it, what they were covering it is more nonsensical discussion of what obscenities did President Trump allegedly use in that infamous meeting that he held in the White House a week ago. So they are still beating that dead horse, and and that, in my opinion, that event was a psyop, a psychological operation that was just another shoe that they had waiting to drop that they could use to attack Trump. And and all of these things are, are building the drip, 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 which even if they if each one of them individually is not enough to take down President Trump, there will come a time this year, in my opinion, when the left wing, the deep state, the media will be able and the Democrats will be able to mobilize something to really go after Trump. Perhaps it will be when Mueller finishes his investigation and who knows what he'll come up with. I think he's going to try to come up with something to justify his uh, year of work at that point. Or, I mean, who knows? I mean, you can, the writing is on the wall here. And uh, as I've done with a, a longer article that I posted at uh, HagmanReport.com today, which is, by the way, an exclusive to the Hagman Report, I went back into uh, the Watergate era and uh, in, in comparing and contrasting, again, the takedown of Richard Nixon with what we see as the attempted takedown of President Trump. Again, there are differences, there are similarities, and I suggest anyone interested in this, please read the article, because at about 4,000 words, it can go into much more detail than we can do here today. But uh, what comes to my mind, and I, I monitor the Watergate period very closely. I was living in Washington, D.C. then. I was a student journalist and then a, a, a young journalist starting in my career, and I was able to cover some of the events of Watergate, including attending the uh, Watergate hearings at the Select Watergate Committee, chaired by Senator Sam Irvin in uh, the summer of 1973, if memory serves correctly. And one of the similarities that keeps coming to my mind is this drip, drip, drip. Uh, Richard Nixon, in contrast to President Trump, was extremely popular across the board in 1972 and 1973. Even five months after the Watergate break-in at the election of 1972, Richard Nixon won a landslide victory. He won all but one state against his Democratic opponent, Senator George McGovern. And his popularity continued. He was riding about 60% approval rating. Uh, and then, But this drip, 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 first of the Washington Post and then of the rest of the media, which was turning left at that point, but it wasn't as bad as it is now, of course, uh, they, they succeeded in taking him down. And even though it does appear that uh, Nixon himself, although not involved at all in the Watergate, failed Watergate break-in, he did apparently obstruct justice and do some other things that were bad, but it was never brought out then, and it is certainly never brought out now, that this was uh, virtually nothing compared to what his Democratic predecessors did when they were in the Oval Office. Uh, JFK, LBJ especially, FDR, possible exception of Harry Truman in that group, all did things which uh, were magnitudes of order worse 
than anything Richard Nixon ever did, which is not to absolve Nixon if he committed crimes and deserved scrutiny and maybe even impeachment. But again, the scales are not even when looking at past presidents, just as now the scales are not even when the media and the Democrats attack President Trump, whereas the previous president, Barack Hussein Obama, got an absolute free ride for everything he did. The list of unconstitutional acts that he took, I mean, even this DACA thing, for example, the talking points of the Democrats now are that we can't go back on the promises that have been made to these illegal immigrant children who were brought here when they were too young to know any better. Well, the promise that was made, quote unquote, was by Barack Hussein Obama through basically an unconstitutional executive order in which he approved this DACA dreamer method here, even though prior to his taking out his pen and signing this executive order, he said multiple times that he did not have the constitutional authority to do that. So in effect, he committed an illegal or unconstitutional action, and now that is an article of law, I guess, that we can't, I mean, all President Trump is trying to do is to reestablish the legal status quo that was there before Obama broke it by signing this DACA measure in, I think it was 2012. So, you know, we are really through the looking glass here, but if I could switch gears for a moment and see the glass as half full for a change. And the first point I wanted to make is one that is hardly ever reported, and I actually picked this up from Jan Markell's weekly broadcast, Understanding the Times, last weekend. Ms. Markell does a really excellent hour-long program on 800 terrestrial radio stations on Saturdays and Sundays. It's also available online for free listening and podcasting. And she and her guest discussed the unreported story, basically, of the return of Christianity to the Middle East in recent months, especially since President Trump took office. I mean, we remember the pictures we saw around Christmas time last year of a gigantic Christmas tree being erected in the center of Baghdad, Iraq. She reported on her program how many Christian churches are being rebuilt and reopened in Iraq and other countries of the Middle East. And this points to the sea change in foreign policy of the United States vis-a-vis the Middle East since President Trump has taken over. He is tilting away from a pro-Iranian axis, which is what Barack Hussein Obama engineered during his time, during his regime. And we are tilting more back towards Saudi Arabia and, of course, towards Israel. And vis-a-vis Saudi Arabia, I found out some news last week that was very, very interesting, how things are actually liberalizing there to at least a small degree. We know that women have really been suppressed in Saudi Arabia pretty much to this day, but that is changing ever so slightly. In June of this year, women will be able to drive for the first time in Saudi Arabia, drive automobiles. And last week, for the first time in Saudi Arabia, women were allowed to attend large stadium soccer matches. 
uh, with Saudi Arabian teams playing, playing teams from other countries. Now, this might seem like a small thing, but it had never been allowed until uh, last week. And, of course, the women uh, have to sit in their own areas, but it is a move forward, if ever so small, and, and some analysts are saying that uh, you might put some of the responsibility for this opening up a bit to President Trump and his reconfiguring our po- foreign policy. And remember, his his first major foreign trip was to the Middle East, and he gave the speech in Saudi Arabia to 50 leaders of uh, Muslim countries. So, uh, again, that, that is something that's happening that we can point to. And then, uh, again, I would also say, and I, I bring this out in... Uh, uh, for some commentary in one of the articles that uh, I posted at Hagman Report today. I think it's the one on uh, Nixon, Watergate versus President Trump. And I discuss uh, at a bit of length on how a positive difference we have now compared to the 1970s, obviously, is the growth of the Internet and our ability to have... Uh, citizen journalists and alternative journalists all over the place who are doing some of the best work at uh, demystifying and deconstructing these important issues. And because of the proliferation of, of all things, uh, smartphones, everybody's got one now, most people are using these things not only to record reality but to access reality through Twitter primarily, which is an excellent or can be an excellent uh, platform, notwithstanding the spying that's apparently going on there. But, uh, you know, I, I've, been, I've been engaged in Twitter myself for the last five months now, and I'm developing an understanding finally of how uh, the viral media uh, can really work. I mean, Twitter, in my mind, is really at the apex of so-called viral media. Uh, the people who are quote-unquote following me on Twitter are in a really an amazing bunch of people. Many of them have Twitter feeds of their own, which are incredibly impressive. Uh, they have thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of followers. They are uh, uh, retweeting. They're finding incredible news, incredible reports, retweeting, in many cases doing their own research, and uh and, of course, as they retweet my articles, I mainly use my Twitter to this point to link to my articles as they are published at American Thinker and at the Hagman Report and also link to uh, the podcasts of these broadcasts that we're doing. And I'm finding a tremendous response. I'm getting anywhere from five to ten as many times, uh, five to ten times as many uh, retweets and likes as I should be getting, given the number of followers that I have. There's a basic metric that can use, you can use. So that suggests to me that my followers are extremely dedicated to the cause. They are retweeting my stuff because they like it, and, and I'm retweeting some of their stuff and sharing it. And, you know, th- this, I think, this the way that Twitter is working, and to some extent Facebook and the other social media, is kind of the unwritten or not well understood story of why Donald Trump won in 2016 to begin with. Uh, it's really difficult to wrap your hands or your mind around how the social media work in this viral nature. I mean, I've tried to read up on this by the so-called experts, and I, I come away 
not only confused, but feeling that they don't know what they're talking about most of the time, because these are things that are so complex now and in such a world of their own that really nobody, including the experts, can even understand how it's all working. And evidence of that is nobody or most most everybody did not predict Donald Trump's victory in 2016 because of the unknown quantities of this uh, social media and the viral nature of it in spreading alternative, more accurate news to those of us who are interested in that, which is a growing number. And I think it's it's important to point out, uh, Peter, exactly that. You know, we are, the, the conservatives, and especially the Christian conservatives, are being shadow banned. We're being um, uh, the the metrics, the, the algorithm, algorithms, I guess, are, are working against the getting the, the word out. So what you just described there about your experience with Twitter and, and the retweets and such is so important because this is a, our way of fighting back and fighting against that censorship. And um, so, so if everyone, uh, for example, if everyone listening to this broadcast follows Peter Barry Chalka on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, follow him. And, and retweet the articles. We will have a penetration like, well, you cannot buy this kind of advertising if it were an advertising uh, venue. The information has got to get out there. People have to understand what you're talking about and the importance thereof. And this is how we can win. And this is how, to some extent, we are winning and have the globalists on the run, I believe. Absolutely. And uh, to that end, my... Twitter address is on a, a monitor behind me there. I would really encourage anyone listening or watching this program who has a Twitter account. Actually, you don't have to have a Twitter account to access my Twitter. You can just go to twitter.com slash pchowka, and there it is. But if you have a Twitter account, uh, the most important thing you can do is to retweet, to use your account to retweet individual tweets of mine. It's very simple to do, and that is what helps us achieve this spreading of our message virally throughout the Internet and really around the world. And I I now have followers and people retweeting me from Australia, from England, and from other countries, just as this program and Hagman Report has visitors, viewers, and listeners from all over the world, because this is a worldwide waking up phenomenon that we're talking about here. Pretty much every country in the world, to some degree or another, has been taken over by these memes of the left, of socialism, of communism, of statism, that are pushing falsity and lies and evil down our throats. And this is the antidote. We represent the antidote to this debased, uh, wicked nature of the popular culture and the mainstream media that has come about. You know, it could be said that we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the electronic media. It was in the year 1920, only two years away from the centennial of that now. In 1920, that the first radio station went on the air in the United States, KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, uh, of course, the Electronic media was off and running, and then it went into movies with uh, electronic sound recording coming about in 1925, the first sound movies in 1927. Uh, then the real 
rise of radio as the key medium in the 1930s and 40s, the rise of television in the late 1940s. Basically, by 1960, almost every home in America had a television set. It was the fastest uh, uh, adapting of a major new media in the history of the world. And then starting around 1994 with the popularization of the first web browser, Mozilla, and then Netscape Navigator, the beginnings of the growth of the Internet. Until now, uh, just over 20 years later, two decades later now, we have the Internet of everything. Everything is uh, interlocked, interacting with the Internet uh, as we are. And we are coming up from the grassroots, speaking truth to power. And it's not only us. It's not only me and you guys, or, or even our listeners and viewers, it's millions and millions of people out there who represent a tremendous untapped audience for what we are doing. And uh, I've been able to build uh, my Twitter account from zero on August last August 21st to 2,500 followers today. I'm not making any great claims because I've had a lot of help in doing that, but we need to grow our uh, social media platforms even more. So people need to pay attention to uh, the Hagman Report, to uh, Hagman PI, your uh, uh, Twitter account, Doug, and our other social media platforms, as well as these broadcasts and HagmanReport.com to really stay in touch with the, the real news and to expand our reach. The only way we're going to win this info war is by sharing our information as widely as possible. We're not in it for the money. As I've said before, uh, I'm, I'm volunteering all of my efforts. I don't make a dime, and, and I, don't, I don't want to at this point. I'm happy to give back and to work with this medium uh, in a way that I, I'm not having to sell anything or promote anything other than my articles, my research, and the truth as I see it. So everybody really has to step up to the plate now. I, I know others who have been doing this longer than I have in the alternative media here online and in social media have been saying this, that it's it's really uh, time for all of us to come together. And uh, this is the year when the stakes are really going to be high. Uh, you know, I mean, hold on to your hats for what's coming next. And Again, our answer to that is uh, what we're doing and sharing it and what other people are doing and sharing it all in social media. You're precisely right. And I'd like to segue this in, into um, your coverage uh, of Fox News because many people before, or initially, I shouldn't say before, initially, wondered, well, why would a, a, the independent broadcaster platform that we represent, that we are, be talking about or supporting, uh, for example, Sean Hannity, Fox News, but specifically Sean Hannity. It just why do that? And, and when you look at the, you can almost make a comparison between the social networking, the conservative social networking uh, on Twitter and whatever, but the conservative side, with the conservative presence true conservative presence and investigative uh, outreach of Sean Hannity. And this is why we stand behind him, because he's the only one that's talking about Uranium One. He's the only one that's talking about uh, the emails continually. He's the only one talk, still talking about Benghazi. He's the only one still talking about the spying scandal or, or criminal uh, conspiracy against Donald Trump, as we are. And so this symbiotic relationship that you referenced between 
us and, and the listeners and the participants in social networking, we've got, you've got in particular, with the uh, last bastion of, of truth on the corporate airway, airwaves, and that's Sean Hannity. So I, I think people need to understand the networking is so important. Well, Doug, you, you and Joe understand that very point. Those points we're just making uh, better than anyone else I've encountered, and it's why we were able to connect right from the outset, because uh, a lot of the people who comment about my articles at American Thinker on the cable news wars and Fox News, a typical refrain is, why are you bothering to write about this uh, globalist entity, uh, 21st century Fox News? You know, we've cut the cord. We're uh, superior to getting our news from electronic media. And, you know, we just read on the Internet and we find the truth there. Well, fine. If somebody's capable of doing that, more power to you. But the mainstream media is still called the mainstream media for a reason. This is how most people in the United States access news. And actually, as you look at Sean Hannity's work in the past year, if you take transcripts of his nightly program on Fox News, they represent a roadmap uh, a quick summation, sometimes in very great detail, of exactly the issues that we are investigating and talking about. I've gotten many leads from his shows and the guests that he's brought on, like Sarah Carter, John Holloman, Greg Jarrett, and others. Uh, so, you know, he's doing fantastic work. Yes, yes, much of the rest of the day, Fox News uh, leaves me wanting and I turn it off or I don't even watch it. But I make a point of watching it in, in prime time. And it's very valuable. And we have to realize the impact that it has, especially among people in and out of government who follow politics very closely. I mean, the entire political establishment is wired into the cable news channels. They have their favorites, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. But again, as I mentioned a short time ago, Fox News, according to the impartial studies, is the most fair and balanced news source of the current three leading news channels, cable news channels. So it's it's well worth our attention. It doesn't mean we spend all of our time studying uh, and 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 you know what Fox News says or what they're broadcasting, but it's an important rallying point at this point. And uh, God forbid if it is taken from us or if it's watered down in this year ahead, as the uh, executives uh, change there, if there's musical chairs running Fox News, it's not going to be a good development because in the mainstream media, it remains the only big source that is reflecting at all in a fair and balanced way what uh, the Trump administration is actually doing. And of course, Fox does criticize Trump at least half the time, so it's not a whitewash, but you know, compared to the other channels, I mean, it's it's virtually impossible for me now to watch CNN for longer than a minute or two at a time. I'll switch over to Anderson Cooper or now um, uh, Cuomo. Uh, Chris Cuomo has a primetime show. I think they're easing uh, Anderson Cooper out. The bloom is off the rose there, and uh, Cuomo's getting his shot in prime time in an hour-long show, and then following him is two hours of Don Lemon who is absolutely unwatchable. I mean, the, the three of them are, are just arrogant, elitist, uh, fake news punks, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it, it's all you can do with just picking something up and throwing it at the TV screen when, when you listen to them for more 
than a minute or so. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back to a commercial on Fox News before I'll stay on CNN. But, uh, yeah, this is what, this is the world we've got now. And, you know, again, tracing it back to, to my memory in the, uh, in the article on, uh, fake news new at the Hagman Report today, HagmanReport.com, uh, the lead photograph there is of Senator Barry Goldwater from 1964. And I, uh, I talked about a classic example of fake news that he was subjected to when he was running for president that year, 64, against Lyndon Baines Johnson. And right around the time that Goldwater got the nomination of the Republican Party to run for president, Daniel Shore, who was one of the key foreign correspondents of CBS News, did an on-camera report which ran on the CBS television network, which at the time, since there were only three networks and no other sources for TV news, had uh, probably 20, 30, 40 million viewers for this report. Daniel Shore claimed that Senator Goldwater's first act after he received the Republican nomination would be to travel to Germany so that he could visit a, a site, a historic site that was close to the rise of, of the career of Adolf Hitler. Can you imagine that? That story went out. It was covered by the wire services. The only problem was it was completely false. It was completely made up. And Daniel Shore didn't suffer any consequences for that fake news. In fact, he worked uh, at a high level for CBS News for another 15 years. And then he ended his career with a 25-year-long stint as a senior analyst at National Public Radio. So, you know, others have pointed out, some of the commenters at uh, American Thinker have pointed out that obviously fake news goes back even farther. In the 1930s, a New York Times writer won, I believe, a Pulitzer Prize for his coverage of the Soviet Union in the 1930s, in which he claimed it was basically the promised land, ignoring uh, the millions of deaths, the gulags, the, uh, you know, the, the butchery of uh, Joseph Stalin, so, you know, you can find fake news, but as far back as you want to go, apparently, but it's obviously much worse today because now it pretty much takes up about 99% of the mainstream media. By the way, earlier today I saw that, uh, Senator Flake in a, uh, an aptly named Senator Flake gave a speech on the Senate floor in which he compared President Trump to, uh, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. And Peter, did you see so, what one senator sat in on that on that uh, speech you gave? <laughs> yeah, but the 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 networks like CNN and MSC or MSNBC are running with that story. And McCain also wrote it. Senator John McCain, another uh, not so great fan of President Trump, uh, wrote apparently an op-ed in the Washington Post today, which I've not read yet, in which he dissed President Trump. So. You know, these are supposedly Republicans. Can President Trump count on them this year for their votes? You know, it's questionable. So he's really got a tough road to hoe this year. And uh, with the election this year coming up for the Senate, uh, one-third of the Senate and uh, the entire House of Representatives, we really have to hope and pray and direct our strong prayers towards uh, keeping the Democrats from... Uh, gaining any more seats or, or gaining control of either or both of those houses of Congress. Because if they do, 
impeachment is an absolute certainty, and uh, all bets are off if that happens. Well, Peter, uh, we only have a minute left. With the uh, potential for a government shutdown looming uh, just with this Friday, and the the left really wanting to hold the DACA issue, the country hostage over the DACA issue. If they, I think they're both going to, both parties are going to take heat from this government shutdown if it does happen. But I don't think it's going to go that well for the left in the midterms if they're holding the country hostage and the government hostage over an illegal, trying to force through an illegal immigration bill. Peter, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Again, the three articles are up there on HagmanReport.com, and on the right-hand side, he's got his own column, Peter Chalka's column. So make sure you go there and check out all his articles. Peter, thank you so much. And the YouTube Thank channel. you, guys. That's Always right. a pleasure. Uh, be well and God bless. Thank you at, so very much. At P. Chowka on Twitter. At P. Chowka on Twitter. Make sure you follow him there. We'll be right back after the uh, network break with Tracy Beans. We're going to be talking about the Mueller investigation A to Z. Don't go anywhere. on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by Tracy Beans in just a moment here, and we're going to talk about what is going on with the Mueller investigation. And and really, I guess the the topic is Mueller investigation A to Z. And I know, uh, Dad, you've done a number of, you've done so much work on it. Well over 2,000 pages right now. And and I just want to, I don't know if you can see see this. This reminds me of when I used to do the, the heavy in-depth medical device research. These are my notes. I'd be carrying just around from packets, this week. packets of information just like that all the time. And, uh, yeah, that gets old after a That's while. That's just but. this. Oh, and yeah, I forgot this. This part two. This is the other half. Just, again, just this week. So there's over 2,000 pages related to Mueller, um, uh, the illegal spying, and the the reasons why. So go ahead. Well, uh, just a few things. First, Steve Bannon was uh, in front of the House Intelligence Committee yesterday, and he's also been subpoenaed by Mueller. And we, we mentioned that he was in front of the committee yesterday, and I made the, the statement, I think, on this show. I know we talked about it on The Daily Show that I, I didn't believe that he was going to, you know, many people think he's going to spill the beans or, or implicate Trump somehow. But what happened yesterday at the House Intelligence Committee, apparently the White House and the committee agreed on a parameter of questions where they were going to ask Bannon questions pertaining to the time he spent in the Trump campaign and not about the transition into the White House or his time in the White House. And apparently those questions went well beyond the scope of the uh, intended uh, parameters of talking. And the lawyers for Bannon called the White House and let them know that they went well beyond what they agreed to. And the White House said, well, don't answer any more questions, invoke executive privilege. And that's what Bannon did, causing a huge, <laughs> uh, you know, battle, I guess, in, in the, in committee. So, and now he's, um, subpoenaed to be test, uh, to testify or to talk with Mueller, to be interviewed by Mueller. And it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. I, 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 I just want to say this. I, when you look at this, 
how far uh, how far afield has Mueller gone? I, I just absolutely love the phrase by uh, author and attorney Sidney Powell, who wrote. Um, in fact, I've got the book in my office. Uh, it, it wrote a book about the her, uh, about the Department of Justice and FBI corruption, but it's in reference to Mueller. This, he's not engaged or he's not suffering from mission creep. It's creeps on a mission. And if you haven't heard that, um, that that's a just a wonderful line that I heard first on the, the Hannity show. And then, of course, she had tweeted that out a couple of times. Uh, an incredible, uh, incredible author and, uh, really tells it like it is. Go ahead. I, and then we, we, uh, I published this on Hagman Report on Monday. It's an article from a week earlier that talks about the uh, investigation by Mueller may move beyond collusion to charge Trump, and a constitutional clash will follow. I'd say a constitutional crisis. There, there, and that's the plan. There, that, I told you from the beginning, that's the plan. I don't want to get worked up here. I, I didn't mean to take it away from <laughs> Sounds you. Sounds like you already are. But I'll tell you something. That is the plan. I had told you five years ago that the deep state, six years ago, that the deep state, the permanent shadow government, was they, they want to force a constitutional crisis. And, and, and just think how bizarre this could be. And, and I'm not saying this could ever happen, but, but close your eyes, squint, kind of think. Oh, can you imagine? See, to be Speaker of the House, do you have to be a member of the House? No. No. Wouldn't it be just hilarious? I'm, I'm being, uh, facetious here to have Hillary Clinton wander in as Speaker of the House. Yeah, it'd be think, so think, funny. Think of the presidential line of succession and have Donald Trump taken out through impeachment or perhaps Trump and Pence. Hey, they got their wish. The deep state's got their wish. How diabolical is that? I mean, and I'm not, look, I'm, I'm not saying that would ever happen, but my goodness. We have our, our guest with us and let's bring her on and get her opinion on this. Tracy. Tracy Beans, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Follow Tracy at Tracy Beans on Twitter. Yeah. How you doing, Tracy? I'm so happy to be here. Hi guys. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. We're happy to have you. We, we, it's, it's fun. Now, you and I, or, and all of us here, we've been, I've been on this Mueller, uh, situation like uh, a wet t-shirt. But I gotta tell you, my eyes are bleeding. Basically, from all of the investigation, all of the research, uh, develop a timeline, which is extremely extensive. These are all just uh, uh, entries into an Excel spreadsheet. There's several pages, and that just has to do with Mueller. You start. <laughs> where, 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 <laughs> where do you begin? Where well, do we begin? Let me ask you this question. Do you believe... Because there are some people out there on the internet who believe, don't worry, Mueller is actually working on behalf of President Trump. They're playing some game of 3D chess here, and really, they're going after the deep state swamp creatures. Do you believe that? I have to be honest, I have pondered that scenario several times, and there are some things to kind of lend it credence. Whether or not it's true, we don't really know, but it could be. 
um, a few things that we could talk about, I guess, and go over together. Well, and I ask that because I'll just be perfectly honest with you, and we can discuss this. Yeah, I don't believe that because uh, you've got a number of things going on. You've got uh, Mueller's involvement with Uranium One, uh, direct involvement and oversight and lack of enforcement of the laws. You've got uh, 10 of the uh, investigators on Mueller's team, dedicated deep state soldiers for Obama and Clinton. You've got uh, the mission creep as or creeps on a mission. Um, and you've got a, a number of other uh Signposts, I believe, associated with Robert Mueller. That's why I don't believe that to be true. Now, I understand why some people can believe it to be true and why it would be just diabolically delicious if it were, but in my, in my, in my research, I don't believe that to be true. However, I'm, I'm willing to listen. So anyway, we, we don't have to start there. We can go anywhere. So. Well, let's start there. And then I definitely want to talk to everybody about this whole Glenn Simpson fusion GPS Russian dossier thing, because I've been spending dozens and dozens of hours going over this stuff over the past few weeks. And it really is starting to form a very interesting picture that I think that everybody will benefit from understanding a little better if I can help there. Um, however, in terms of Mueller... Mueller met with Donald Trump right before he was chosen to be special counsel, and he spent a good amount of time. I don't know what's wrong with my camera. I'm sorry about that. Um, he spent a good amount of time talking to Trump, and there were rumors that Trump was going to try to pick him to be head of the FBI, but that was impossible because he'd already extended his tenure as head of the FBI you know, several times over. He was extended after 9-11, et cetera. So there was a lot of questions. Why is Mueller sitting down with Donald Trump, you know, and then all of a sudden now he's chosen a special counsel? What do you think they talked about, Doug? I'm curious to hear your opinion, honestly. I, I think that was, in my view, going back to that, that day and leading up, if you look at the context in which that meeting was held, I, I believe that, Look, I don't know what was discussed. I, I suspect, perhaps, that this was an attempt by Mueller to cozy up to Donald, to, uh, cozy up to Donald Trump. I, I think it was a pure political maneuver that was done with hubris, yet with a bit of, uh, although the hubris was there, maybe a little bit of, of, of intent, hopefulness that, hey, um, I could serve you well. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I I look at that as kind of a a political meeting. I don't think that there was anything of real substance. For example, what we saw after, uh, and this I think is relevant, what we saw after Mike Rogers, who failed to tell his superiors that he was going to visit Donald Trump in the uh, Trump Tower on November 17th. Um, in the following day, we saw, what did we see? We saw Donald Trump move the transition team and, and everyone to the golf course in New Jersey. The reason I believe that, the purpose, I think, of that visit was Mike Rogers was saying, look, uh, you know, hey, Don, you got some issues here within the walls of the Trump Tower. You've got to regroup and get yourself protected away from the deep state. Whereas, what did we see after Mueller and before Mueller? Not much. So I think... I think the uh, and, and this is just my personal assessment. Unless you're seeing something different than than I am. Well, that that's awesome that you brought all those things up. They're really important. So let's talk about um, Mike Rogers going to Trump Tower. He early in 2016, Mike Rogers actually discovered that they were incorrectly abusing 
the FISA, you know, 702 privileges that they had under the law. And he went and he basically went before the FISA court and he put a, a, a hard stop to all of those warrants um, and, and all of the surveillance. After after that happened, um, shortly thereafter, actually, you start seeing the dossier start to be created and things like that. Now, we know from Dennis Montgomery way back in the day that and, and, and Dr. William Binney um, that they've been spying on Americans illegally for since the beginning of the NSA, <laughs> sadly. But so we know that that's been the case. Um, however, you know, Montgomery even had Trump's name in his in his records that he was unable to get anyone to look at for goodness knows how many years. And this was right after Snowden. But um, Mike Rogers stopped that process. And when he went to Trump Tower, it was, it's my understanding that because these warrants covered just structures and IP addresses, that alerting him to the fact that they had a FISA warrant and they were spying on him, having him move to a different location in a different state with a different setup would circumvent them being able to continue doing something like that. Um, So we know that this will tie into Papadopoulos and stuff like that. So we'll talk about that because it ties back to the, to the special counsel, you know, going through what we know now, we know that Papadopoulos was kind of an outlier on the Trump campaign and that now the media is trying to pin the whole Trump Russia collusion story on Papadopoulos's meeting with um with I think I believe his name was da- Downer um right. from Australia right. right they're trying to pin pin that meeting now Downer was the one who was in charge of giving the 20 something million dollars to the Clinton Foundation for AIDS research he's a very important guy he doesn't just meet with random people off of the you know off of campaigns that don't have any business meeting with them and even after he had that meeting the Australian and, and supposedly at that meeting Papadopoulos told Downer that he had information that the Russians had Hillary Clinton's emails. So basically what's the equivalent of the Secretary of State in, in Australia keeps that information to himself for about two months before he goes back and tells, you know, the FBI or anybody that this is going on. Meanwhile, Papadopoulos is running around sending emails to the Trump campaign saying, let's meet with these Russian people, let's meet with this person, trying to get them to basically set up meetings with Russian intelligence people to get information on their, you know, whatever they wanted to grab from Hillary Clinton's treasure trove of right. corruption. Right. Papadopoulos tried six <laughs> times in like seven days, some incredible amount of times um, to, to get this meeting set up. Go ahead. Right. So now, fast forward a little bit. Um, Papadopoulos is arrested for lying to the FBI in regards to the special counsel investigation. He tries to deny that he did any of those things that he's accused of doing that they're questioning him about. And the reason why the FBI knows that he's lying is because the Trump campaign has graciously provided each and every single email to them so they can cross-reference and say, well, that's not true. That's not true. Now, he gets arrested in July of 2016. At his hearing, which was basically leaked through Politico and was released to very little fanfare, the judge in the case, they, they keep it very quiet because now Papadopoulos is going to be wearing a wire. He's going to be a government sort of witness. But one thing that a lot of people missed that I've been kind of harping on since then is that inside of that order, basically, um, where he's taking his, you know, his, he's getting arraigned, I guess it would be, right? He, he's, the judge instructs him that he is not to speak to anybody that is tied to the original charges he'd been brought up on, that he, he's, he's precluded from speaking to anybody, and those people would be 
Donald Trump, Don, you know, Don Jr., right. uh, Matt, you know, any of those folks. So from the period of July until the present, or whenever this was released, who is he talking to? Likely the people that set him up to do all this in the background. Right. This is done by Mueller. Correct. So if he's not spying on the Trump campaign anymore, why does Mueller need him to get info from the people that worked on the dossier, the people like Clinton who are working behind the scenes? He doesn't. And Papadopoulos basically wrote that dossier from what we're gathering now as an investigating it further. He fed a lot of that information to Christopher Steele. It's, it's turning out to look exactly like that, actually. So he, he seems to have been a very big asset for the bad guys. I don't see how that fits into the Mueller investigation as him being a mole if Mueller is investigating Trump for Russia collusion. Okay, that is an interesting point with respect to Papadopoulos. But um, now, in, in a vacuum, okay. Now, of course, we are, uh, shall we say, we are assuming. I, I would, I would suspect that he followed the instructions of the judge. Now, um, of course, wearing a wire or um, contacting members outside of the orbit of Donald Trump. Uh, wearing a wire, um, that certainly speaks, it's got some inter- interesting, uh, uh, connotations for the, um, uh, you know, you know, for, for the argument that, that Mueller sent him out as an asset for, uh, you know, for Donald Trump. However, the past actions and even the actions where he was involved with Sergey Million and, uh, um, well, uh, you know, well, I'll just stop right there. Suggest otherwise. I, again, the, the number of players and the number of events, the events that took place, the all of this. But by looking at, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is by looking at Papa, Papadopoulos only. Yeah, I, I can see where one might believe that. But when you put that in the mix of all the other people, as we kind of draw out the circles. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. That, that in and of itself, uh, does not negate the, the, what Mueller has done in the larger context of things. But go ahead. I mean, that's interesting. I'm, I'm willing to stick okay, with I'll, that. Okay. Well, this is great. I love this. Let's talk about another one. Let's okay. talk about Michael Flynn. Um, Michael Flynn, right? Right. Um, Michael Flynn was, was brought up on charges of lying as well. However, he lied about something that was already public in the media and that the FBI had already cleared him of before he spoke to, um, who was it that interviewed him? Strzok, right? Strzok interviewed yep. him? Yep. Um, yeah. So before he spoke to Peter Strzok, he knew that what he was about to say had already been released in the media and he knew that it had been widely reported on and he knew that it wasn't anything, you know, on above, below board, we'll say, right? So he lies. We don't know why, or maybe we do. The plea agreement. It, did you guys um, have you read the plea agreement that Michael Flynn signed? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, but I don't have it. And believe it or not, in all this stack of, it, it's in the legal. <laughs> my actually, it's in my legal file in the office with all of the papers from the committees and uh, the pleas and the indictments. That, 
That's fine. I see. I'm I'm amazed by your research. Look at that. I, I don't have anything in front of me. I feel underprepared now. I didn't know I was yeah, allowed I, to bring notes. No, I, I need this because <laughs> I've got, you know, I've got uh, short-term memory loss, I believe, or just my eyes are bleeding because of all this. No, I, I need the notes. I, I'm hobbled without them, and I, I admire your ability for recall because th- this is so complex. This is so vast. It To me, it just, without a roadmap, it, you know, I'd be I'd be lost. It's crazy. It's very vast. Absolutely. So, okay, back to Flynn. So you've read the plea, plea agreement. So that, you know, at the end of this plea agreement, it basically releases Flynn to be able to testify about any crimes he's ever experienced during his tenure in government. And it forces him to go under polygraph exam as well, because someone could say, well, if he lied about this, how do we know he's telling the truth about that? There's a mandatory polygraph within his plea deal. That says, if you testify on a, a past abuse or on a current abuse, you need to submit to a polygraph test. Should we ask you to submit to one? Because we need to make sure and verify that you're telling the truth. Yeah, but what that. that be- yeah, okay. But what that basically does is Mueller basically inadvertently or or, or on purpose is going to bring Flynn forward to talk about anything and everything that happened during the Obama administration without fear of an NDA over his head. So that it, it's basically a plea deal to save the country is what I talked about. Um, I, I feel like they basically took the net off of him to be to allow him to, to speak freely about everything that he witnessed while working in the Obama administration. And we know that was no friendly, you know, interaction. There was a lot of animosity there because Flynn was trying to say, hey, guys, you guys are basically creating ISIS and... I'm I'm not liking this at all, and Obama was furious about it. So, what do you think about that? Hmm. All right. In that context, again, that's interesting. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I'm I'm I really don't want to respond at this point to, to what you're saying, only because I want to see where you're going with all of this. Because uh, and keep going. Uh, that now that's that's Flynn. And that's earlier on in this um, in this process. And one one of the well, I will say this: what, what I found very interesting is one of the last things that a prosecutor wants to do is take a key witness and impeach their credibility for future testimony by charging him with a crime, with a process crime of lying. So, in other words. In my view, I guess I'll respond respond to what you said by, via this by saying this: If Mueller is the prosecutor and he's charging Flynn with with the char- with a crime of lying, which he did, you are impeaching his future testimony. Think of it that way, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so you're, you're neutering your principal witness, mm-hmm. which is which is a a common prosecute, a common tactic of prosecutors. Just saying. Go ahead. Oh, I understand. And I'm not an attorney, and I don't have the experience that you do. So that's very helpful to me because I'm I don't know everything. I, just, just I, I don't have. An, I'm not an attorney. I'm an investigator. But, oh. I, but I've seen that. I've seen that happen where a prosecutor will take a, or an attorney will take a witness and impugn their credibility. So any future testimony will be uh, negated by the fact that they lied. So uh, if if Mueller's yeah, Mueller's leading off with that, he's damaging uh, anything that Flynn would say subsequent to that point. Go ahead. Um, 
where was I going to go with this? Oh, we can also talk about, obviously, you know, Paul Manafort. Um, he was brought up on charges completely unrelated to the Trump campaign at all um, and led us to believe that maybe, you know, uh, not John Podesta, his, Tony Podesta was on his way down too, closed his lobbying firm, all of that. Um, I did a lot of work into Manafort's lobbying history and his relationship to Roger Stone, et cetera, so on and so forth. And I, I find it very interesting that Mueller chose to, you know, charge Paul Manafort with, with things that he had done way before he even was a glimmer in the Trump campaign's eye years before, um, as part of this investigation. Um, and the, there was one other, there was one other person who was it, uh, one other indictment or charge has been brought up. Um, well, you, you, okay. So you got Manafort, Flynn, Papadopoulos. Um, I should know this. I should have an outline here, but I don't. Uh, There's one other person. It's it's, it's escaping me. <laughs> who? Paul Manafort is a coworker or assistant or partner. Paul, Paul Manafort. Oh, his. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um. I don't have the name. I can grab the name. Shoot. Why? why? <laughs> I feel paralyzed by the information. I should know this. Um. It's okay. It wasn't all that important, to be honest. <laughs> because all, all I'm thinking about is the recent uh, indictment of, of Mark Lambert, and, and I can't get that out of my head now. Rick Gates. Okay, Rick yes. Gates. Rick Gates, there you yeah. go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, completely unrelated as well. Um, so, look, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sold that Mueller, and, and to be honest with you, um, True Pundit and a couple other outlets have reported that Mueller basically took a deal. Like, okay, I will wipe the slate for you if you do the right thing here. Same thing with Comey. You know, True, True Pundit reported Comey had a deal and then Comey screwed up and they revoked his deal. So there's Wait stuff going on. Comey get a deal for what? Um, because he's obviously in a lot of hot water. I mean, he, perjury, treason, gosh, should we name the rest of the crimes that he's committed? Oh, no, he definitely um, is, um, you right. know, everything you just said. I just don't, I mean, we, these investigations are, there's new, there's numerous investigations and it seems that they don't, um, they're not moving quick enough and we don't see any action on them. And Comey's been dangling in the wind, even admitting after, after he admitted leaking information, potentially classified information. And yet he, there's been no indictments, no grand juries. Nothing. Well, so. there are grand juries. There are some grand juries impaneled right now. For example, in the Uranium One case, if there wasn't a grand jury impaneled in that case, then we wouldn't have gotten the indictment Correct. Um, that we got the other day. I did a thread today, actually, on Twitter of all of the investigations that are concurrently happening right now. We need to go over uh, There are about... Oh, let's do it. Sure. Um, so well, we've got the... Oh, wait, wait a go second. Be before we go over that, I just want to ask you one question, and, and this is with respect to the most basic of all questions, and, and that is this. Um, why? Okay, uh, for example, or and this, is, this involves Manafort only, uh, or uh, Mueller only, mm -hmm. and the allegation of Russian collusion. We know who, we know what, we know when, and we know how, but the question is why? Um, why was not was Mueller? Uh, the question is not why Mueller was, uh, you know, named a special counsel, but what was behind the allegations of Russian collusion? Okay, okay. and the, the, 
if we go back to if we go back to the very beginning, what caused these allegations? Um, the, do you have any feeling on that? Yeah, the um, Steele dossier was used as the basis for the Russian collusion narrative. Um, but okay, but it, what, it, what caused the opposition research to be used? Meaning the steel steel dossier. What caused that to be used? The trigger to be pulled. Uh, we, we know why Mueller was was selected or appointed as special counsel. That was because of Comey. But why in the beginning was the Russian collusion narrative even started? That that's my question. Why was the investigation even begun? Well, several reasons. Number one, they were trying to pin the DNC leaks and the. Um, Podesta leaks on Russia, because as we know, that ball of yarn that we could unravel in regards to who provided that information to um, to WikiLeaks so that they could publish it. Um, in addition, there was opposition research being done by Fusion GPS with ties to the CIA and the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton were attempting to, you know, um, Interfere in a presidential election by spying on their opponents, and then they needed a cover story. Exactly, but a cover story for what? For for the fact that they used the surveillance state to to spy on a political candidate who was never supposed to lose, uh, who was never supposed to win. Right, right. Okay, hold that so, thought. Hold that thought. If he was never supposed to win, why, aside from, or why did they, uh, if he wasn't supposed to win, why even do it in the first place? What were they, okay, what were they trying to cover up, I guess is my point. Let me, let me make it easy with you, or for you. Here's my, here's my, my working hypothesis as an investigator. I believe that this whole thing started because, um, Obama had to cover, in the event of a Donald Trump win, Obama and even Hillary Clinton had to cover up the acquiescence for an Iranian um, the, the, the Iran deal. And the Iran deal was really part of the Uranium One criminal uh, uh, activity. So in other words, uh, Obama wanted the power shift in the Middle East from Saudi Arabia to Iran, if you look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. Of course, Clinton, Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State, took part in that. We saw Arab Spring be, uh, uh, be done during her tenure. And then, of course, Concurrent with this, and even preceding this, uranium one was going on the uh, the, uh, the shipment of uranium. Then we also had the Hezbollah, that Project Cassandra going on. But the the key figure, the key player in here was Russia. So, um, and and when, once it became clear that uh, that uh, Donald Trump was going to be the the president, Obama said, "Hey, we we have to really do everything we can to make sure he does not." Um, uh, he's, that, he, that he's marginalized. So they made up this Russia scandal to cover for the Iran deal, which Russia had to be, they had to have Russia on board to, to, to really uh, go forward on the Iran deal. And in order to have Russia on board, they couldn't act on the Uranium One indictments or the Uranium One uh, stuff that was going on. And they most assuredly couldn't act on the Hezbollah project, Cassandra, uh, fruits of the investigation. So that was the reason for the cover. Or that was the cover for what was going on. That, that, that's just my working hypothesis. Go ahead. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I um I I think that's great. I I you know what's interesting is you think back to that clip where you had uh, Obama sitting on stage saying to I think it was what it was a diplomat. It wasn't Putin. I'll have more leverage after the election. I'll have more flexibility after the election. They were actually working very closely together, weren't they? Um. Yeah, so I, I guess 
they just got sloppy, right? Um, they got very, very sloppy, and they didn't think that they'd have to worry about that until after the fact. And now they've got a non-establishment uh, president who they're trying every which way from Sunday to, you know, handcuff. Exactly. And they're, and they're losing. You're, you're exactly right. And by the way, I interrupted you when you were going to talk about the number of investigations on your Twitter feed. Go ahead and finish that thought that I so uh, blatantly interrupted. No, this is this is okay. This is really important stuff, and it's so in depth and so detailed and such a tangled web. Everything connects to one another in some way, shape, or form. And I love these kinds of conversations because, first of all, I learn a lot from you. And second of all, we get to talk about it and get it out there in the open and speculate with one another. So um, investigations, open investigations right now. Clinton Foundation investigation, email investigation, an investigation into how the emails investigation was done. Um, there is the Uranium One investigation. There is also the Inspector General investigation. And then Congress is also, like, uh, you know, at the, at, with Nunez at the helm, looking into this whole Fusion GPS um, back end of Russia collusion. And then we have the special counsel investigation, which we can, you know, still debate whether or not that's a Trump thing or not. Um, but there are, I believe, eight or so, maybe nine. And then I talked about the executive order, um, trafficking in human persons that allows him to freeze assets. I talked about how MS-13 has systematically been taken down right now. Um, and I also talked about uh, the Clinton Foundation investigation that opens up a massive box of all the other things that have gone on within that. I, I mean, you could spur off five or six or ten other investigations right off of them independently. Uh, you can look into... You know, the ties with Jushdra, and that can go into a whole rabbit hole of... Uranium One, Haiti, all of that. You, you got spinoffs yeah. for all that. But, but the yep. Clinton Foundation also with Jushdra, front and center on Uranium One. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, he, yep, yep. And, and a lot of other things. A lot of other things. A lot of work with charitable foundations. Um, a lot of, you know, sort of shady... Shady past dealings. He also um, owned a, a movie production company that a lot of people don't know. Um, there's a, there's a lot there, and he was he was very frustrated towards the end when he was very frustrated with Chelsea Clinton actually, who started to blow the whistle on the Clinton Foundation, and he got very angry. Tell her to shut up. Tell her to stop talking. What is she doing? How could she do this? Um, it, <laughs> so yeah, we've got all that going on. Joe, that stuff is actually legitimately being investigated right now as we speak. Oh, and Jeff Sessions is also investigating. He's got, um, I think almost 10 leak investigations going on right now inside the Justice Department as well. Exactly. And thank you for mentioning that. Go ahead, Joe. I thought there was a more leak investigation. I thought they said 31, but maybe it's, uh, they're starting with the 10. <laughs> I might be slow. I might no, I be slow. Yeah, well, that's just a number okay. that I, I remember from reading it. On Monday, there was way. twenty. Uh, Monday, uh, one news report said twenty-seven. Okay, your number of thirty-one includes previous. Uh, includes, and I apologize. It something else, but 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 I can verify without overstating a ten for sure. Um, so <laughs> I, I got that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, and you're probably closer. 
you're probably closer to be correct than the 27 that I read because that quickly was redacted, or not redacted, but just removed from the uh, the article. Go ahead. I read it somewhere. I don't know. I read so much stuff. I'm sure you guys do too. I, it's hard to keep it all straight sometimes, but, um, you know, there's stuff happening. Uh, there's definitely stuff happening now. You know, one could argue, well, these people are all going to walk. This isn't going to, this isn't going to be prosecuted. This isn't going to, you know, nothing's going to happen here. Um, but I, I, I find it really hard to believe with all the criticism that Jeff Sessions has gotten, he's been quietly behind the scenes running a justice department that's probably working overtime, you know, since Donald Trump was elected. So, and now that they're cleaning out all these judges, and they're appointing lots of judges, the most ever in, you know, I think ever in a first year pregnant, uh, presidency, about 300, um, judges have been appointed. Um, so they're, they're doing things, the tax breaks, they're doing things. Um, Absolutely. Yes. I mean, in spite of all the opposition and the lies and the hate, uh, and the craziness and the, the liberal insanity and the Trump derangement syndrome, Trump is actually still getting a lot done. Now, I don't have as much faith in, in Jeff Sessions as you do. I think he's, he's been a little weak. Uh, I know obviously there's some things coming out. He's working behind the scenes. There's more investigations that are ongoing, but I think he could still do a lot more. Now, one thing I'll say about Sessions, the recusal was not necessary, I don't believe, and I think that hobbled him. He painted himself in a corner by that um, because of the Russia recusal. Um, but, but okay, go ahead. Right, and we see uh, the corruption is still, I mean, that's, the Strauch hasn't been fired. Uh, Lisa Page hasn't been fired. The only person that has had any turn, James Comey was the only person let go by the FBI. He quit. These. Well, no, he was, I, no, I'm he sorry. He was fired. Comey, I'm sorry. What yeah, am I saying? Remember he was at the airport oh. uh, in front of the FBI agents and saw yeah, it on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, see, this is my problem. These people, and, and I, they're not even in this Strauch. All the information that's come out about him, he's everything Batman. we know, he's, Batman. he's still in the FBI. And I have no faith or confidence in anything, as long as he's even still allowed to work there. Uh, it, it's ridiculous to me. There's so much wrong. As much as, as we see moving forward, I still see so much wrong uh, that is not being taken care of. And, and one more thing, uh, not to add on or pile on, what pro- I've got a problem with the uh, under Sessions, under the Sessions Department of Justice, when you uh, when you look at what Judicial Watch Tom Fitton has been doing, instead of um, getting information under a FOIA request, he's had, to, he's had to actually take both the State Department and the Department of Justice to court to get documents uh, despite Donald Trump being in office. So why the uh, blowback and pushback in not giving um, Judicial Watch the uh, subpoena documents or the documents that they're entitled to uh, under the Sessions Department of Justice? It would be the deep state holdovers, but why isn't Jeff Sessions saying, hey, ordering the um, you know his people to, to release the documents? That was the other issue, too. Go ahead. We just went through seven or eight ongoing government investigations right now that involve the documents that Tom Fitton wants in his possession. I would argue that there is a possibility that they are stalling because they're using them and don't want to release those documents to taint an ongoing investigation. And he's been in, Tom Fitton, the uh, head of um, Judicial Watch, has been in the news recently. And there is a lot of, of, um, I'm pretty curious about what he says because he does seem to have an inside track and he, he believes that there are uh, we're going to see some fireworks, especially with Uranium One, and with the cover up of the Hillary Clinton email investigation. And I agree with him there, but to what extent I don't know. 
but he uh, has been doing a great job with his organization getting that information out to the public. And even on Hannity today, uh, Representative Jim Jordan was there, <clears throat> who kind of grilled Jeff Sessions in a hearing about the dossier and uh, did the FBI have part in funding it. And uh, he said to, you know, keep your eye on, on what's coming out of Judicial Watch. And they asked, uh, Hannity asked Jordan if he would release uh, the documents that they used to obtain the FISA warrants, and he said he couldn't do that. And that, the underlying documentation, I believe, will show that the dossier was 100% respond or 100% of the dossier was used for that FISA warrant. Go ahead. And the uh, headline I, on Dredge: FBI shared intel with dossier author Christopher Steele. Apparently, Steele was on the payroll. That's the Washington Post that ran that article. Well, the Daily Caller has it up here yeah. too. But apparently, the FBI was paying Christopher Steele at the same time the Clinton campaign was paying him to obtain this opposition. At minimum, his expensive, if not expenses, if not uh, stipend. Yeah, yeah, that that actually came out in the test in Glenn Simpson's testimony that um, was released by Feinstein um, or Feinstein. I always get that wrong. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was that came out in the testimony. I read all of that testimony. I read, you know, I, I I basically I used the the dossier to argue against itself. I did a debate between the dossier and the dossier of all the contradictions within that one set of memos that was submitted um, to Fusion GPS and this research they did. And it makes it makes a point to say if none of this is being done on purpose and everybody's doing their jobs and we're an upstanding, you know, law abiding citizens and we're all doing the right thing. And, you know, everybody at the FBI has justice and love in their hearts and everything's good and fine and dandy. The fact that they could fall for this dossier, which is now being spun as like, Oh, the Russians tricked us. Yeah. I don't think they fell for anything. They knew exactly no. what they were doing. Exactly. I mean, the, if, if, if that's the case, like let's pretend that's what happened and they fell for this document, they fell for these memos. We have a lot bigger problems in this country than what's happening right now. You bet you We have a bunch of, yeah, Yeah. we have a bunch of incompetent. If I can sit here and look at this thing and and break it down and show you why it's complete nonsense using itself. Like I didn't even have to research anything really. I just used the document itself to debunk it. And it's, it's doable. So if I can do that, then how come the FBI can't figure it out? Like it's so obvious. Exactly. It's really sad. I, I forgot the Awan brothers. That's another. Oh yes, the spy ring and yeah, twelve years uh, worth of spying, uh, six million dollars. Sure. Not just the Awan brothers, but you've got I think six or seven, including Hino Alvi as well as Imran. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just that popped into my head as I was talking, and I didn't want to leave it out. Um, so yeah, I mean the Fusion GPS dossier. Basically, what what Christopher Steele says, or what Glenn Simpson says, is that Christopher Steele said to him. Hey, I found out a bunch of information and it's, it's, it's really important. It's a, a very, you know, very serious stuff. It could be used to blackmail, um, a possible president. I think we should take it to the FBI. And Christopher Steele was like, well, you're the intelligence pro. By all means, take it to the FBI. See what they have to say. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. You, you deal with this information all the time. That's not really my thing. I'm kind of leaving it in my subcontractor, Christopher Steele's hands. Christopher Steele goes to the FBI, and what he uses is the most salacious part of this document. The basically the sexual exploitation part of it, where they say that they have Donald Trump on camera doing whatever in the hotel room that Barack Obama stayed in. Right. First memo of the dossier. Um, they also say that for some reason, 
Um, the Russians have offered Donald Trump several business deals to try and bribe him to get him in, but but he refuses to accept any of the deals that they're offering him. And they also say that Hillary Clinton, they have a whole bunch of information on Hillary Clinton, and they're not sure what they're going to do with it yet, but they're holding on to it, right? Um, later on in the in the document, in in one of the other memos, Christopher Steele says. Donald Trump is desperate for a business deal in Russia, but had to settle for, you know, um, inappropriate activities with prostitutes instead. Well, if if he's so hell-bent on a deal with Russia, in Russia, a business deal in Russia, and you're saying that the Russians are dangling business deals in front of him like, you know, candy, why wouldn't he take one of those business deals? You know, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. Um, Glenn Simpson actually also... He in in his testimony, which is is just crazy. Um, he says like several times. He says, you know, Christopher Steele was my was my uh, my subcontractor. Right. I didn't direct him on what he should be doing. Like most of my subcontractors that I hired for this dossier, I just said, go out and see what you can find. See right. what you can find. You know, he's got he's got companies all over the world. See what you can find. But he doesn't have any companies in Russia. So I want you to pay extra attention there because he doesn't have companies there, and that deserves further examination. You know, what? yes, and as you're saying, I just want to mention, too, uh, we must not forget Mark Elias, Perkins Coy. Yeah. The, uh, okay, the Clinton campaign paying Perkins Coy, what, $5.6 million in fees from June of 2015 to uh, December 2016, and how that fits into... Uh, Steel and, and Steel's kind of double dipping in my view, uh, getting, getting paid by the DNC via Perkins Coy and Hillary Clinton, as well as the the FBI, uh, at least covering the expenses, if not upwards of fifty thousand uh, for that's being rumored um, to, for the dossier. Go ahead. Bruce Orr, Nellie Orr, Nellie Orr worked for the CIA in the Open Research, you know, Department um, or Open Source Department. I'm sorry. Um, Bruce Orr's wife, Bruce Orr, Deputy Attorney, was it Dep- Deputy Assistant Attorney Deputy General? Attorney General, yes. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Orr, yep. Yeah, one of the top four. He was demoted, and then he was fired altogether, so I don't think he has a job anymore, Joe, just so that you know. <laughs> and, 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 but, um, and you're right, Nellie Orr, too. And by the way, she also got a ham radio license in her dealings yeah. with – she worked for Fusion GPS, got a ham radio license at the same time of her employment with or uh, relationship with the Fusion GPS. And think about that. That circumvents all of the NSA potential uh, harvesting of data, of, uh, of actual uh, information. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another thing to think about is this. You know, the, the FBI, the, the Department of Justice, the NSA, whoever's doing all this work, like during the campaign, they get a grumbling from Russia or Russian intelligence or whoever's feeding Christopher Steele information during this opposition research. They bring it to the FBI. They tell the FBI, we have, we have an issue. We think that the Russian government's trying to infiltrate the Trump campaign. That's what they're trying to make us believe anyway. Why doesn't the FBI take Trump aside, meet with him and say, we've got a serious problem here. We need to figure out what's going on because we've got Russians that are trying to interfere with your campaign. We want to protect the country. We want to protect your campaign or something. Like, why just let it go on and on and on for so long and then all of a sudden, you know, try and spring it on the American people as though he's been working with them the entire time when there's no evidence of that. In addition, Michael Cohen in the in the document, um, they say that Michael Cohen went to Prague 
Um, but Michael Cohen never went to Prague. And this is one way that we can tell that they were using FISA to write the dossier. Because if you do a query on Michael Cohen, they'll find the Michael Cohen that went to Prague. It just wasn't the right one. So, so and, and where did they get that? Okay, so th- that's right. Where, where where did they get that information? This is exclusive proprietary information uh, by the NSA or, or by our intelligence community. Who? who, who yeah. Who, okay. Who was who a conduit, or who were the conduits? They had. It, it, it's appearing more. It, it's appearing that more and more as the, we look into this, that Fusion GPS was actually a subcontractor for the FBI or NSA. And that's why they were able to get the information that they were able to get. And there you go. That's right. Exactly right. Yep. And if that's the truth, then through this investigation, you would hope that the personnel who was responsible at the FBI for this uh, and at the DOJ, you know, cheering it on and getting helping to coordinate the warrants, uh, all should be indicted. I mean, this is just the dossier alone. If we just look at the dossier, this is a uh, political party in a position of power using their power to abuse the surveillance courts and uh, intelligence agencies' capability to gather intel against yep. the political opponent for, uh, basically, in order to stop them from, from being president or, or obtaining office. And, and that is such that, criminal... I mean, there's so many crimes there. It's yeah, and that's even, why... Yeah, Roger stopped it. Roger stopped it. He stopped it dead in its tracks, which is why they needed, you know, to cover their butts, so to speak. Rogers, Admiral Rogers stepped up and actually stopped this, um, which we should all remember his name because it's going to come out. He's retiring, yep. and once he retires, he can testify. Th- th- that's the thing. Like I know patience is hard to come by these days because look at what we're living through. Look at what we're living through. This is crazy, crazy. But they need to have this stuff airtight or these people will walk. I agree. Airtight. Yep, and it's still... 80% chance they walk anyway. Well, <laughs> some of them. Yeah, but, but, but see, I, I don't like, I don't like it when, you know, Tracy, and I know you get this too. You get people who say, well, uh, um, nothing's going to happen. They're going to walk. They, justice, it, it's. Well, you, you write it off already. Yeah. You, you, you go got to, yeah, you got to, people have got to stop being so fatalistic. I, look, I know justice has eluded everybody for the last I don't know how forever long uh, most people have been alive, but the bottom line is you can't give up. We got to keep pushing forward. And the only way we can win is if we stay in the game. So go ahead. Yeah, and we gotta. We have got to keep them accountable. We've got to keep the public pressure on. We've got to keep this stuff in the media. We've got to keep it trending on social media. Um, you know, we have to be. We have to hold them accountable. If we stop, remember when they tried to deny the uh, release of the e- Clinton emails to Judicial Watch because they said that there wasn't enough public interest. Yeah. What happened after that? We made some public interest pretty well known, and they were forced to release those. So as long as we keep everybody's feet to the fire, they work for us, like we always say, right? We have to keep everyone's feet to the fire. And I just have to say that we've never been in this situation in in recent history with the president who's been, you know, able to take this on. It's like the perfect storm in a way. Like there are so many people inside that are so sick and tired of the corruption that we actually have a fighting chance at stopping it this time around. It's not like any other time in history. I I love that, and I agree with you. I agree with that as well. Yep. But, you know, it's a... And we absolutely... This is why it's so important that it might sound like a... We might sound like broken records sometimes going over this information over day after day, night after night. But this is what it takes to keep this in the public's attention, first of all, and nobody else really is covering this. You're not going to see anything. I mean, I got stories up here from uh, Newsbusters. They do great analysis on the news media, 
and you have the stories, you know, six accomplishments that networks ignored, and then other stories, you know, uh, the no no network covers uranium one indictment. Uh, and this is why we have to continue to talk but, about it. You know, it. yeah, if it weren't for you, if it weren't for us and people like us, and I'm going to give Sean Hannity credit too, and, and, and mm-hmm. Sarah Carter and Solomon, look, no one would know about this. And I'm surprised how many people believe that the stuff you're talking about and the stuff we're talking about, well, that's a debunked uh, conspiracy yeah. theory. Nope. Or what's that? I don't so, know. I don't know. know how people can still think that. I really don't. They're just not, they don't care at this point. That, that, that's what it is. They want to believe that Trump, Mueller is going to send Trump to jail and he's going to be impeached and he's going to be arrested. And, you know, every, everything else that's going on behind the scenes doesn't exist. It's, it's crazy. I, I, I have to say Sarah Carter has done some fantastic work. I think she got a little burned by a source the other day. And I hope that she understands that and looks at that and maybe makes a retraction because you know how sources are. Um, they yeah. can give you 90% good, 10% bad, and the 10% that's bad, this was bad. She basically said that Hillary Clinton unknowingly took this information, you know, and fell for the Russian collusion that made up the, the, the dossier. They're trying to give it a pass because they know it's falling apart, and she kind of fell for it, and Dan Bongino was on with her, and he actually publicly clarified on Twitter that he did not agree with that. Um, Right. It's interesting what's happening. There's like kind of web, you know, tainting of the well being done behind the scenes. No, no, Dan, so. Dan Bongino, of course, is extremely, uh, I mean, he errs on the side of caution 100% of the time. Um, and, and he's, yeah, so, uh, and, and I understand Sarah Carter too getting burned by that, but man, those are, and you know, that's a hazard of the, uh, of the business. So. Yeah, and it's a, it's one that people fly. I mean, it happens to the best of every reporter. Like I, you know, it happens. People send me stuff sometimes, and I look at it, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm always very, very hesitant to send something out until I can like prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt for myself. Because every time, every time I haven't taken that extra step, I've been burned by it every time. So it's yeah. hard. And we look. We follow your work. Your investigative work is fantastic. I've said this before, and I just want to reaffirm with people. Of course, Tracy Beans on on um, YouTube, uh, and thank you for what you do. Now we've got about five minutes left, so it's yours. Uh, anything, anything. I'm just. We're just going to stand in the background. It's yours. Uh, oh goodness. So, uh, or unless you know, you know, unless you want to be, uh, but we want to give you every opportunity to to bring forth whatever you haven't touched on yet thank you i guess i guess at this point in time i just like to say that i i'm i feel very blessed um by the people that have chosen to support me and follow me and 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 follow what i do i've 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 been humbled over the past couple of months as this stuff has been kind of coming to the forefront and i've been a part of trying to teach people i just want to stress to people that we're the only ones that are going to be able to do this you know, you're the one that's going to be able to teach your your sister or your brother or the person at Starbucks while you're online getting your coffee. That's going to be up to you guys to do. Um, and and you know, hopefully we can arm you with the tools that you need to be able to, you know, enlighten the world as to what's been going on. Because I really feel like the time is now for that. I feel like we're there, and it's just going to keep getting bigger and better. And I'm I'm so. I used to, you know, I still do. I listen to you guys all the time. And just sitting here talking to you is still surreal for me. So I just want to thank you for having me on and for giving me the floor and appreciating um, what I've been doing. It, it means a lot to me. And um, 
as I go, I will tell you that I learned very early on listening to your interviews how to interview somebody correctly because you are so patient and gracious in allowing people the time to speak. And that's something that I've taken with me. So thank you for impacting me in that way. Wow. Well, thank you so much for the compliment. Sometimes we don't speak because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) But but at any rate, you know, and again, kudos to you for, for your work. And this, you have managed to, to really cover a lot. And I think people really have to, um, uh, and I would urge everyone to support the work of Tracy Beans. Um, you know, the, the, the minutia, maybe you and I, uh, might have a, not a disagreement, but uh, it would be open for discussion because I, you know, it, it's, if everyone is thinking alike, then only one person is thinking and that's not good. So we have to kind of work together. And I love that, that back and forth that we've got. And I would, I would sit and listen to whatever theories you have and whatever positions you're taking. And so would Joe. And we would do this together because that's how we um, learn from one another. And, that, of course, you know, iron sharp sharpens iron. So yeah, that's really and, – and you are one sharp lady. So I want everyone really to support your work and support your efforts. And I hope they do. And subscribe to your channel and follow you on social media. You know, and, and so just to make sure, give people your, um, uh, social media, your, and how they can help and all that. That's great. Thank you so much. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tracy Beans with the Z, T-R-A-C-Y-B-E-A-N-Z. Also the same on YouTube. And I also have a Patreon account. Um, I would be honored if you guys would become a patron if you appreciate what I do and only if you appreciate what I do. Um, I, I like to be held accountable. So please continue to do that always. I'll never be upset with somebody for attempting to hold me accountable when I've made a mistake. Please continue to do that. And I look forward to talking more with you folks. You're so kind. And thank you so much for having me tonight. Well, it was, I'll tell you what, you really classed up our joint by appearing. And we thank you for that. And we, we thank you for all your hard work. Um, Thanks, Tracy. Yeah. God, God Have bless a great you. night. All right. Thank you. Bye. Wow, what a fantastic, you know what, what a great lady she is. And I'll tell you something, you better, if you're going to get in a, a disagreement with her, you better come armed. Uh, she, be prepared. Absolutely. She right. is no, uh, she is like a laser beam on some of this. I, I've been amazed at some of the stuff she has said, um, off air. But anyway, go ahead. The highly anticipated 2017 fake news awards is in. Did we and win? We got the list here. We're not on the list, thankfully. Huh. CNN, New York Times, and others made it. And we'll tell you why when we come a, back. I can think of a few. Never mind. When we come back with Pastor Langford, the, actually the site that it was posted on crashed and people are having a hard time getting to it. And it is GOP.com. Infowars has a piece on it. Go there to get the link. But was I still it, could the cost it of getting that nominated or win? We'll talk about that uh-huh. when we come back. Don't go anywhere. All right. Final hour on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman Report. We have Pastor David Langford with us, and we're going to bring him on. But right before the break, we talked about the highly anticipated 
2017 fake news awards that so many people have been waiting for. The page I'm looking at is from GOP.com, but I'm looking at an archive of the page because the actual page is either being suppressed or there's too much traffic to where it is blitz the servers and you can't get on there. You try to, I've tried, been trying for the last hour to load the page and it has not worked yet, but I do have an archive of the page and InfoWars has a piece up on their site with everything copy and pasted from the fake news award. So I urge everybody to go through that when they have time and check out. The, we'll give you a hint. Brian Ross is up there. Yeah, Brian Ross is up there. I mean, it, it's, what I like about this is not only does it detail the top 10 worst, uh, uh, mistakes and fake news the media had done, I'm sorry, 11, with the Russia story basically being 11 or number one. And then it goes through the accomplishments and the things that have happened under President Trump that the news media has not spent time on. And I'll just read this little opening. The 20, 2017 was a year of unrelenting bias, unfair news coverage, and even downright fake news. Studies have shown that over 90% of the media's coverage of Trump was negative. Below are the winners of the 2017 fake news awards. And, and, and we will claim some proprietary ownership of uh, that through, via uh, Peter Berry Chauka. If you look at his article from today on HagmanReport.com with respect to the fake news, it, it segues nicely into that fake news uh, news. Fake news news. How, how's that? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, let's bring Pastor Langford on. He joins us each and every Wednesday in hour number three. Pastor, it's great to have you back on. It's a great joy to be with you guys. We uh, got about a half a foot of snow today. We're going to see about 13 or 14 degrees low tonight. So if you would like to keep that cold weather up in your neck of the woods, I'd be appreciative. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Pastor. Uh, I was going to say welcome to the party, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, be, be, be because... Um, uh, because of of our friendship, I will I will do what I can to <laughs> pray, pray pray it away from you. How how much snow do you guys usually get in a winter? Well, usually we have an opportunity to get one or two snows, but we've already had three uh, this year, or I should yeah. say, starting the winter, December the twenty second. But we had the coldest stretch two weeks ago uh, that we've had since eighteen ninety seven. Yeah, it's been cold here too. Yeah, we had temperatures. Well, it never got out of freezing for like seven days, and then when it did, it only got up like 33 or 34. So we have, uh, and down here, people have had bursted pipes left and right because they're just not really prepared for that long uh, of a, a span. Usually, if we have cold weather, by the next 36, 48 hours, we're, we're back in the high 40s, low 50s. But uh, this year, it just hasn't been like that. So it's, it's a different time. Uh, needless to say, global warming is a, a heresy uh, that uh, Al Gore and his cronies are purveyors of. So it's it's sad. Uh, I was excited to hear that Brian Rawls, he, he's the number one fake news. No, no he, he's a list he's number two uh, on, the, on yeah. the list. Number two. I don't, I don't know who number one is, actually. Paul Krugman is number one, but see... It, yeah, he's the yeah. New York Post, right? Yeah. Paul yeah. Krugman? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, he's so stinking liberal. Uh, it begs description. And, and that's what those guys do. And, you know, everything is based, deception is based on one thing, and that's a lie. And mm-hmm. this is why deception, even in, even in the secular world, is so dangerous. Uh, we talk about it in the church all the time. But when you become deceived by the secular world, that puts people in absolute darkness. 
and, and they certainly have no uh, compass to, to get them back. We, we have the Word of God to, to go back and rely on and align what's happening and say this is what Jesus said would take place. Uh, because iniquity would abound, the love of many would wax cold. And the word iniquity there means lawlessness. And because lawlessness is abounding, people who may have one time, just in the last decade, had a measure of reverence for God, it's gone now. See? Uh, because, you know, you got Obama lying, saying he's a Christian. Well, he said before that, America's not a Christian nation. So... If people believe it or not, they start believing this stuff. I mean, Hitler was the greatest purveyor. He said he learned more about propaganda. I think he spent two or three years in prison. And he said the greatest thing he learned in prison was propaganda. That's what brought him to his his power, uh, telling lies. And uh, people began to believe those lies. He overthrew their Senate, their Congress. Uh, Paul Hindenburg, I think, would be equivalent of our Speaker of the House. He overthrew him, he got power, and took us into World War II. So it shows you the power of deception. And we see that deception every single day in just about every news outlet's coverage of Trump, and it has not eased up since he has uh, been inaugurated. It has only gotten worse. They've become more emboldened. They've become uh, more unhinged. Pastor, did you see the, the clip's or the highlights of the one-hour grilling of the White House doctor yesterday by the press corps? You know, those people are so, number one, they're irrelevant, and they have the minds of 12- or 13-year-old adolescents. Those questions, how many scoops of ice cream? (laughs) You know, I thought one was going to say, well, how many sprinkles does he get? I mean, these people are supposed to be well-learned and well-educated. They are showing us they are buffoons. You can't deal with stupid. You can't fix stupid. And this shows you the the power that Satan has over these people. Jesus talked about deception being Satan's greatest tool in the end. And here's, here's here's the multiplying factor. God said he would send strong delusion upon them that, that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth well the truth is is jesus john fourteen six. i'm the way the truth and the life no man come unto the father but by me but second thessalonians 2 11 12 says for this cause god shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned i didn't say that People sometimes say, you preach hard. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That, that expose of, 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 of news yesterday from these, these uh, ignorant reporters was a sign of delusion. This is, God said, I'll, I'll give you a spirit of delusion, and, and I will cause you to believe a lie and be damned, because I gave you the truth, you wouldn't embrace it. You wouldn't accept it. You wouldn't even study it out to find out if it was the truth. You just shunned my words. You shunned my truth. I mean, you know, even even a man that's not greatly educated like myself understands God is in something. I thought it was so apropos that the physician said that God gave him these genes. And I thought, folks, you're getting a testimony right before your eyes but you're too blind to see it. 
I thought, of all opportunities to mention God, he brought up God and said, this man is who he is, he's what he is, by God's design. But it went right over their heads, because they're God-haters. They, they didn't get that, see? But I, I was watching it, and I rewound it to make sure I heard the physician say, God gave him these genes. But what did they, they, they went, you know, how many scoops of ice cream does, uh, you know, does he get? And so it shows you, uh, the, 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 it's just crazy, you know, it, it's just bizarre. Um, I've been studying for most of the day, and I want to pick up kind of from last week, uh, and I want to address leadership and tie that, segue into the, the populace of America. Uh, I want to go to Revelation 18, a very renowned chapter in the book of Revelation, and it's about the fall of Babylon. There's much uh, discussion, much debate, who is Babylon? Uh, and, of course, there are all sorts of turns and twists uh, in this end-time hour about Babylon. Is it, you know, are, are you a preterist? Are you a post? Are you a pre-tribulationist? All of these things, but laying all that aside, I want to look at the first four verses, and if the people would like to go back later on tonight, tomorrow, and read the entire chapter, because I'm going to pull some things out of that chapter uh, and not read all the, the verses in the chapter, because they're, they're, they're 24 verses, very lengthy chapter, but I just want to take the first five verses, okay. Revelation 18, beginning at verse 1, after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. That ought to tell you the church has not been raptured, because it doesn't delineate church, tribulation, saints, any of those things. It just says, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. I was, I was studying today and just looking at some of the, the, the verses and some of the things that were being said, and I was just thinking about how overeating can make a person sick. Well, too much wealth, too many riches can be very dangerous to our moral and spiritual health, as an individual, uh, as a city, or even as a nation. And America has been one of the most prosperous nations that's ever existed, and we are not yet 242 years old yet. That won't happen until July of the 4th of this year. We'll be 242 years of age. But Jesus warned us about the deceitfulness of riches. Riches deceive people because they think they can buy anything. It's been said everything has its price. 
So they say, what's what's your price? You know, everybody's got a dollar number, a dollar figure. What is yours? But Jesus in uh, Matthew thirteen and twenty two, he he was he was talking about the sower of the seed. He said, he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now that's very significant. Jesus said riches will choke God's word out of your life. When God's word is choked out of your life, then you become unfruitful. We go to the 21st chapter of Luke, verse 34. Jesus said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting, that's overeating, with surfeiting, and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that they come upon you unawares. These verses in Matthew thirteen twenty two, Luke twenty one thirty four, they are synonymous because riches are what deceive people. Uh, Paul the Apostle, I'll go ahead and elaborate on this for just a moment, and First Timothy six ten said, For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And that word erred in the Greek means they have been seduced from the faith. What caused the seduction? What caused the delusion? What what caused them to depart from the faith of God? The love of money. The love of money. You see, it's demanded of us as Christians that we manifest the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives. If the Spirit of Christ has a place of residence in us, there will not be any barrenness, but rather there will be fruitfulness. But Jesus said there in Matthew 22, he said, if the Word of God is does not stay prevalent in your life, and you allow the deceitfulness of riches to get in, he said it will choke the Word of God, and then you'll become an unfruitful vessel. So what does it take? It takes the Spirit of God living in these clay jars for us to remain fruitful. Romans 8, verse 9, Paul said, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You know, before we're born again, we have a void, an emptiness. We have a vacuity that, that, that is in every one of us. But when Christ comes into us, that void is filled. That that innate hunger for something is satisfied now because the only thing that can satisfy the soul of man is God. And the reason only God can satisfy the souls of men is because God breathed into men and they became a living soul. So, you know, money... Uh, prestige, power, drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, gambling, uh, you know, heroin, cocaine. When when you've done those things and you come back to reality, you're still empty. You're still void. There, there's still a, an emptiness there. Well, there's no doubt that luxury and, 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 and affluence can easily delude a Christian into spiritual carelessness, and to greed, 
and ultimately it will ruin a person and their life. And, you know, I, I'm witnessing today the, the recklessness in Christianity. Uh, there, there is such a casualness, uh, you know, the, the, the personal buddy, the big guy upstairs. Uh, there's been a total loss of reverence uh, within modern Christendom. They've, 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 what they've done, they've taken the deity of Christ and they have tried to humanize him like man. You, you can't do that. God is God no matter what men do, no matter what men say, God is still God and man is still man. So unbridled greed, unbridled lust and covetousness has pervaded the church because today's pulpiteers are advocating this foolishness and at the end of the day, it's nothing but mere frivolity. I'm like anyone else looking for a good uh, message, a good sermon, a good teaching, and I and I get to see those occasionally. Someone will send me a a lady sent me one the other night. Uh, the pastor's name was Clancy, and I watched I watched the whole video, very edifying. But you got so many modern day preachers that are so covetous. Now listen to me, they're so covetous they only teach and preach on the subject of money and finances. Now I want you to think about what I just said. Everything they preach is about money and finances. It's about blessing. It's about prosperity. It's about affluence. That's all they ever talk about. They never talk about anything else. That's not the message. The message has never been about money. The message is about redemption. Jesus himself and Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Adam and Eve were lost. And what did God do? That was your first manhunt. Adam, where art thou? And Adam said, I hid myself. He said, why did you hide yourself, Adam? He said, because I realized I am naked. He said, who told you you were naked? You were to have never known that. And of course, God knew what he had done. But my point is, God has been hunting man since the Garden of Eden at his fall. And so when Jesus comes to the earth, he says there in Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, well what's been lost? Mankind has been lost from his relationship with Jesus Christ. So the message, the message has never been about money and finances. The message is about redemption. It's about the shedding of innocent blood, which was the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so when you watch these charlatans, you watch these uh, limp-wristed preachers, these panty-waist preachers, and that's all they advocate, that's all they appropriate is money and finances, you know they're totally deceived. They are totally out of touch with God. Jesus said in Mark eight thirty six thirty seven, he said, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall it profit a man 
if he did gain that whole world. So the point is, if 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 you Joe Doug, if, if somehow we struck it rich and we became billionaires and we all had our private jets and we could fly here and there and meet together and sit beside the swimming pool and just have a wonderful time and we still didn't make it into heaven, what did that profit us? Nothing. Nothing. I, I think about the people of the world today. I think about the Saudis, the wealth. You know, there's there's a there's a real underlying story behind all of that, but I won't get into that. But you see the, the, the money that they have off of the backs of the American populace, and yet they're not satisfied. They're always buying cars, always buying pictures. They're always buying portraits. They're buying buildings because things don't satisfy a person. It was said by J.D. Sumner, uh, who sang with uh, Elvis Presley in the, uh, the, the, the meetings uh, in Las Vegas. He was standing on the balcony with J.D. Sumner one night and talking to J.D., and he said, J.D., I could buy Las Vegas. He said, but I'm the most unhappy man I know in the world. And, and, and I know why he was unhappy, because he had a godly background. His mama took him to church, and he was raised, he was taught the way of salvation. And that's why when he would start drinking, he wanted to sing gospel songs. And that's why he had, the group was called J.D. Sumner and the Staffs. I know them personally, uh, been around them on numerous occasions. And, and when he got, he, he of course hired them to, to, to sing with him in these concerts. But they would always break off in a concert and begin to do a portion of gospel music. Uh, because a lot of people didn't know this, but when Elvis Presley was up there what, drinking what looked like water, it wasn't water, it was vodka. But what it shows you is he was under perpetual conviction. The Spirit of God was trying to bring him back. And it reminds me of Saul when he wanted David to play the harp to drive the evil spirits away from him. Because the Bible said that God left him and sent an evil spirit in that void to fill that void. And so Elvis Presley was trying to fill the void. And how was he trying to fill it? He was trying to fill it with gospel music. If anybody thinks I'm blowing smoke tonight, just Google Elvis Presley gospel music. You won't believe the albums you'll see on the Internet of all the gospel music the man used to sing. Why? Well, the Bible says strong drink is a mockery. And what would happen, the, the devil was mocking him, knowing this is where you ought to be. Presley, you ought to be with Jesus. You ought to be serving him. You ought to be faithful to him. But but he was not. He was going against the grain. I did it. I went against the grain. I was running from God. That's what men do. But they know in their heart. They know deep down in their heart. They're not right. Nobody had to tell me when I was out there drinking a fifth of liquor and smoking pot and living in the gambling dens and the bars and the nightlife. Hey, I was lost. Now, I know there'll be those out there who say, well, you were still saved. No, I wasn't saved. You, you can't live that kind of a lifestyle and, and, and serve two masters, Jesus said. But I was backslid. I was so far away from God, and I was under conviction, and I was trying to numb my mind. I was trying to somehow separate myself from the Spirit of God and get away from that conviction. Thank God uh, I finally surrendered. But when, when you see what's going on in the world today, when it comes to ministry, 
everybody's appealing to your wallet. They're appealing to your pocketbook. They're not appealing to your spirit or your heart. Peter said in 1 Peter 1 and 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation. And the word conversation, anytime you read the word conversation in your Bible, insert the word lifestyle. He's not talking about speech, not verbiage, not language. He's talking about your lifestyle. From your vain lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. This is the reason Jesus died. It wasn't to ride around in a Mercedes Benz. It was to know him as Lord and as Savior. The rich man and Lazarus, both, the Bible said that both men died. And, and, and the, the rich man, he died. Where did he go? The Bible says he went to hell. Where did Lazarus go? Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. Why did he go there? Because he had Christ in his life. The rich man, he didn't have Christ in his life. And so the, the Lazarus, you know, the Bible says there in the 16th chapter of Luke, he was just begging for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. That's all he wanted, crumbs. I thought about Nancy Pelosi the other day. It's just crumbs. And I, someone said she's worth about 25 to $30 million. I suppose, you know, $2,000 is crumbs to her. But the Bible said the rich man, he was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Every day. Man, this guy had easy street. That was his lifestyle. The Bible said both men died. One went to heaven, one went to hell. And then the man in hell was pleading with God. He said, hey, I'm tormented in these flames. He said, would you just suffer Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, son, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things and Lazarus evil things. He said, but now Lazarus is comforted and you are tormented. You know, if you don't live but 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 years on this earth, what is that in comparison to all eternity? And of course, the rich man, he began to try to negotiate and said, hey, uh, I've got five brothers. You know, would you raise Lazarus from the dead and send him back to my brothers and tell them the truth, lest they also come to this place of torment? Hell is a place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man replied, but Father Abraham... If one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. What's the message? The man in hell says they must repent. They must repent. Here's a man in hell. What's he preaching? He's preaching repentance. I wonder why. Because he finally ended up 
in his eternal destiny without God, and even the rich man in hell said they need to repent. Now think about that for just a moment, folks. Here's a man that fared sumptuously. He had had the greatest luxuries of life in that day and in that time. But after he died, and he went to his eternal destiny, here he is in hell. Matter of fact, he's doing several things. He's doing several things. He is praying. He's praying. He said, I pray thee therefore, Father Abraham, that thou would send him to my father's house. Well, see, in hell it's too late to pray. Pray all you want to. This man was praying. This man was pleading. This man was begging. This man was advocating repentance. They need to get this right. I don't want them to come here where I'm at. And 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 and, and, and Jesus conveyed the conclusion of that story. He said, they have Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though they, the one be raised from the dead. So this is why the message that's being preached today is totally irrelevant. It holds no significance when it comes to eternity. I believe when a man gets saved, a woman gets saved, I believe they'll tithe. I believe they'll give offerings. That, that, that's, that's not questionable, because that's what they do, because they are saved. But people who are trying to climb the ladder of success had better be careful. And that's what we see here in the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation. Always trying to climb the ladder of success. So today, we have greed. We have apathy, which in the end brings ruin and destruction to people's lives. And so John, the revelator, is having a vision seeing Babylon. And the angel says, Babylon, Babylon is falling. Babylon achieved wealth, power, and dominance, according to history, and they did it through constant warfare, they did it through oppression, and they did it through deception. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like America? Constant warfare? oppression and deception. Think about the last 15 years. Fundamentally, who's been in a perpetual war in the world? America. Who has power? Who has might to oppress? And our media has the power to deceive and create a false and fake scenario where we don't understand really what's taking place. Every measure of deception is always based on a lie. And why do they lie? They're seeking to conceal the truth about a certain matter or about a particular subject. Historically, America has had a meteoric rise in our power and in our world dominance. As I said at the beginning of this program, we'll be 242 years old come July the 4th, 2018. As a world power, America has exercised her might in dictating to other nations and to their governments. The purported Iraqi war under George W. Bush is now found to have been based upon fraudulent and faulty information concerning weapons 
of mass destruction. Now, there's there's a lot more to this. There's more than any of us know. I believe it's Mark Taylor who says that God told them they're going to be military tribunals. I believe God is going to reveal some things that we're just... It's going to be hard for the Christians to say, can, can that be fact? Can that be actual? Did that actually take place? Listen, Satan's victories are based upon deceit. And even Christian people, whether we want to admit it or not, at one time have been deceived, manipulated by a false doctrine like the pre-tribulation rapture. Yeah, we still love the Lord, but it's still an element of deception. There were, there were no more, more two godly people than my grandparents. I mean, those were the most godly people I've ever known in my life. And I've met thousands and thousands of Christians. But they were taught the pre-trib. My grandmother had an eighth-grade education. My granddaddy had a third-grade education. It's easy to pull the wool over people's eyes in certain areas of their lives. I'm not an accountant. An accountant can use smoke and mirrors and give me a financial statement that just, I don't understand. He says, but I promise you, it's right. I, I don't know. I, I can't say. Why? Because I don't understand the smoke and the mirrors that he's put before me. This is the kind of overbearing power that John speaks of here in our scripture text. It's a historical event. Throughout the ancient world, Babylon was renowned for plundering others for her own personal gain. I believe America has been complicit in some of the same things. Babylon is without a doubt a symbol of, of a, not only a world power, but of a world system. 1947, Dr. Henry Spake, one of the founding fathers of the United Nations, gave a prophetic word. Unknowingly, he gave a word. He said, we have too many committees... Uh, we have too many councils making too many decisions. He said, we need a man, whether he be set by God or the devil, to run and rule the world. I know he's heard of Jesus Christ, but that's not who he was advocating, and that's certainly not who he was appropriating. He was wanting and desired the Antichrist. So they've, they've been getting ready for this. But this world system every day operates in open rebellion against the God of heaven. When you turn on your television in the morning, you will witness, I don't care what news channel you turn to, there's a spirit, there's an impetus behind that that's in rebellion against God. I was reading today. I looked up the word Babylon in both the Old and the New Testaments. In the Old Testament, Babylon represents confusion and chaos. While in the New Testament, Babylon represents tyranny. So what have we witnessed in America for the last hundred years? Clearly, confusion and chaos coupled with um, tyranny. Tyranny. Oppression. Ruling us. You know, every, every, every time we turn around, just like with Obama and Obama health care, it became a Law. It became a taxation, but it should have never been put upon the people. That's the tyranny. That's the oppression. See? 
And, and so what we need to understand as Americans, there's a heavy price to be paid for self-indulgence. You know, I'll make some people mad, but that's all right. The Catholic Church, I don't know if they still do it, but have sold indulgences. Why sell something to cripple a person spiritually? Why would you do that? Well, it's because of the greed. It's because to operate under more affluence and power. So you sell people something that spiritually you don't have the right to sell because there's no such thing as an indulgence from God. You can't buy and sell God. You can't exchange God-like commodities. It's impossible. And here's the, here's the problem. We, we, we know this is true. Power corrupts anyone or a nation. And America must be warned. Cruelty and deception does not go unanswered when it comes to the scales of God's justice. We've gotten by for so long, and, and, and I've said this before, I believe we've witnessed incremental judgments. I've prayed. I have personally prayed that God would incrementally judge us because he didn't incrementally judge Sodom and Gomorrah. He just obliterated them. He didn't incrementally judge the days of Noah. He destroyed it with a flood. So I, I've prayed through the years, God, just don't stamp us out like you know me putting my foot on a cockroach and that's it. Be merciful to us in judgment. But you know, God can only hold his wrath back so long because justice is demanded. You know, Solomon gave a, a, a stern warning about a just weight in uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. He said, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And I wrote this down today. God demands a holy and spiritually certified set of scales when it comes to righteousness and justice. You know, we certify a lot of things for accuracy to make sure 16 ounces is a pound, uh, 32 ounces is a quart, etc. Three feet is a yard, uh, 12 inches is a foot. Certification. God's going to have a certified set of scales when it comes to righteousness and judgment. Now, we started talking about Donald Trump. We have witnessed an unfathomable and relentless attack on his presidency and leadership from day one. If we don't lift this man up in prayer, and see, what we need to understand is when God raises anyone or anything up for his purpose, there's an onslaught. If, if you think I'm misrepresenting the truth, go back and read Genesis chapter 37 when God gave Joseph his one little dream. From that moment that Joseph had that one little dream and told his brothers, and he told his mom and he told his dad, I was in a field, and you were as though you were sheaves. And, and my sheep, it rose up, and it stood aright. And he said, all the sheaves came and they made obeisance to my sheep. 
And their first response was, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? Watch this. This is Genesis 37, verse 8. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And, of course, I don't have time to get into the whole story. But from that moment onward, after God revealed to him how he would use him and how the she's would fall down and pay obeisance, all hell broke loose against his life. And you wonder why? And, and here's, here, here's where we need to be careful. Because I, I, know, I know the devil... He is a master at chaos, confusion, and trying to wield power in a vain manner like this investigation by the special prosecutor, Mueller, Mueller, whatever his name is. I look at him and I want to puke. I want to puke when I look at our leaders because I know they have contempt and disdain for all of us. We are subjects. We are peons. We don't know anything struck all these people. They are elitist in their mind. They're gods. They're demigods. They're greater than us. This is why when God starts to use anyone or any institution, whatever God puts his hand on, here comes the devil and his minions. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to destroy it. He's trying to stop it. He doesn't want it to have any oxygen. He doesn't want it to have any life. Uh, Dr. Gupa says, oh, with that report yesterday, Donald Trump's got the coronary disease. Hey, it's 70 years old. You know what? You live long enough, there'll be some coronary disease in your uh, arteries. If you live long enough, the man's already 70 more years old. But, but you see, what they're seeking is death. Everything in Joseph's life was about killing him, snuffing him out, doing away with him. Why? Because God had raised him up. Even Jesus Christ, when he came, look look at the, the unmitigated contention, strife, seeking to kill him, push him off a cliff, whatever they could do. I mean, they were trying to stop God's plan. So if, if we don't pray for him, is I, I think about it because I'm a man. I, I'll be 63 next month. So... He, he can become tired and weakened, and you know what? He can get discouraged and say, I'm tired of fighting. Now, most men have a, 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 a spirit in them. They'll fight, they'll stand up, but you can only fight and stand for so long. And so we, we need to say, God, protect him, watch over him. You know, if we petition God, God will do his part. There's no doubt in my mind. But the media is deceived, it's deluded, it's biased. And if you look at it in the natural, this man has no chance to succeed in his leadership concerning our nation. And he's trying to do everything he can for the betterment. You know, and, and I, I know politics uh, is that. It, it, it is hard to navigate through all of these mines, these landmines. They, they set them out every day to blow up in his face. I don't care if it's uh, uh, the, the idiot senator from South Carolina, his name slips my mind right now, or Flake out there in Arizona. He is a Flake. You, you know, he, these people aren't for us. They're for themselves. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I just want to throw this out in there, too, not to get too far away from the, the what you're talking about. To the, the So many leaders in the West, from Merkel 
and and how Hillary Clinton would have been to even Trinidad up north. What Trinidad has just done is they he's giving two hundred and twenty million dollars in federal grants, but he wants to not give it to any pro life groups, as he said that they are not in line with the Canadian society. And it's just See, another example. Exactly. So what most people don't understand, God raised him up, Trump. He, he, he won against all the odds. And, and, and I've been studying and reminiscing and looking back over the scriptures. One of the last things that God would do for Israel before he judged them, he'd bless them. Now, I, I, you know, it's like being lenient with, with a, a rebellious child. You know, you, you want to be merciful, you want to be kind, especially when they get to be 14, 15, 16, and you're dealing with that attitude. But you're not trying to be a hammer and drop it on, but you're, you're, you're trying to be amicable and amendable in, in so many ways. Well, God's the same way because God gives us a choice. God, no man serves God because God makes him serve him. I serve God because I want to. I got tired of serving the devil. And I wanted a change in my life. I wanted a drastic change. You know, there comes a point in time where you need a drastic change. You just don't need a, a another flavor. You need a a, 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 a a tremendous change in your life because it's not any good. And so God says, okay, I'm going to try to bless you one more time. So that after the blessing... And men still fail to realize that their blessing, that their health and their strength and, and their prosperity. Folks, God is the one who blesses. It's the devil who steals, kills, and destroys. The devil wants everybody broke in when it comes to Christianity. But he wants the rulers of the darkness of this world to be billionaires. Why? Because he's trying to steal, he's trying to kill, and he's trying to destroy. And here God raises up a billionaire. So see, God's always got somebody he can use, no matter who they are or what they are. So God has somebody that's, quote-unquote, in their league. You know, he had to reduce uh, flying around in his 757 to flying a 747. So he had to kind of step down. But see, God always has somebody. It doesn't matter what the situation is. God always has, and this is a real pun, a trump card. God has a trump card. So God's God's last uh, way of, of trying to help us, correct us, he, he, he'll bless. Then, after the blessing, and there's no repentance, you know, you people are talking about their 401Ks. How about the stock market? Just exploding left and right. Well, this just can't continue on. There's got to be some kind of correction somewhere along the line. And and as, as people have bragged about how much Trump has done for them in their 401K, have they bothered to bless God with it? Have they bo bothered to be a blessing to a, a poor family, a broken home, or, or whatever the case might be? Or they, they continue to live. In, in, in delusion and luxury, uh, in, 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 and you are seeing an element of prosperity begin to break out on this nation. Housing is picking up. Look at all these companies coming back, Amazon, all the things that they said they were going to do. But then this prosperity has, has another problem with it. If you go and read the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation here, what do you find? You find demon and demonic powers and every unclean uh, and hateful bird that, that's, that typifies demons 
It has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. We're witnessing an explosion in witchcraft, demonic practices, sorcery, uh, drugs. That's what the word sorcery comes from, the Greek word pharmakia. We have our English word pharmacy, and, and us country folks say drugstore. And uh, they, 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 these, these pharmaceutical drugs have exploded. In America, there's one Virginia town, or West Virginia, Joe, you may remember, only had like four, 450 people, and they went through 9 million hydrocodone pills a month. Do you remember read, hearing about the story? Yeah, I saw the one from Ohio where they yeah they had close to a hundred thousand residents and they they prescribed over one million uh, one million pills or one million prescriptions. It was it was so high uh, it didn't yeah. make any sense unless it was being used to sell sell them behind yeah under the there's, table. Got, there's there's an alternative reason uh, an impetus behind that and you know and, and, and God knows my heart tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be condescending. But it is amazing, and I know because I have people call me, they phone me, they email me, that are taking pharmaceutical drugs on a daily basis to alleviate physical or emotional pain. You see, the patterns of luxury, they bring about addictive circumstances. It's manifest through alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual excess, a lifestyle of unmitigated greed. I look at the media today, then some of the news anchors, are avowed sodomites and lesbians, CNN, MSNBC. They've become inundated. They are awash in sexual perversion and perverts. And so why, why, with all the luxury, why, and all the affluence, why would people go in that direction? Why in the world would they do that? I was today... There was a surgeon in the state of Kentucky who came to the operating room drunk. We have airline pilots getting on airplanes drunk. Why is all of this happening? They're trying to insulate their minds from the pain of sin. I believe the Spirit of God is trying to deal with it. i got to hurry up. Twenty-five years ago or so, the Holy Spirit spoke to David Wilkerson one night and said, I want you to go out. I want you to walk the streets in New York City. I want you to look at all the signs. I want you to look at all the billboards. As he began to walk around the city, he began to see the foreign nations, Panasonic, Yamaha, Mazda, Sony, that set up shop in America. Today, Honda, Lexus, Volkswagen, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Hitachi, Behringer, Mitsubishi, many other companies, they've come to America. I read yesterday or the day before, uh, there's going to be a, 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 a Chinese automobile uh, a manufacturer going to start selling their cars in America. This is why America could very well represent modern-day Babylon, because we have made the other nations rich. We have made the other nations rich, and we could be left desolate. If you'll read in Revelation eighteen seventeen, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? 
trade by sea. We hear it all the time in the news media. Trade deficit. They're making more money off of America than America is making money off of them. So we, 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 we need to examine our own hearts. We need to examine our own lives and find out, is this prosperity? How is it affecting me? You see, at the close of the day, God wants every man, every woman, to deal with their sins. There's no sin too great that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse from the sinner's heart. We're told in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John in Revelation 1, 5 said, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We're told in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the blood of Jesus does. I just want to say to everyone tonight, if there's anything in your heart that shouldn't be there, and you have a conscience, I know it in my heart, I know it in my spirit as I speak to you now, you have a conscience, you still have a God consciousness, a God awareness. If there's anything in your life after this program, just get on your knees and say, God, help me, forgive me, cleanse me, strengthen me. I was reading in Psalms 27, verse 1, David said, the Lord is the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. If you're tired physically, emotionally, spiritually, he is the strength of your life. He has all the power to infuse into your life. But you've got to yoke up with Jesus. You've got to lay down some things. You've got to forsake some things. Some of you tonight, you've got to break some, some friendship, some fellowship. You're, you're, you're hooked up with the wrong people. They're hurting you. They're hindering you. They're they're impeding your walk with God. And they tell you because you believe in Jesus. Oh, you're narrow-minded. Oh, God is love. He's not that hard. Everyone that thinks that you ought to tell them, go back and listen to the archive of this program tonight. Because I could feel the conviction. I could feel the conviction when I was talking about the rich man and Lazarus when both these men died. You see... That's why I said the message is not about finances. The message is not about money. The message is about redemption. Every man has been lost. I'm talking spiritually. I've been lost physically. But every man and woman has been lost spiritually. And Jesus said, I've, I've come to find you. As I said with Adam, that was the first man, huh? God came after his, his greatest creation because he lost him. And he came to find him. And when Jesus came, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. So tonight, if, if there's something in your life that's not there, I don't have the time to pray like I want to pray tonight. But you kneel down beside your your bed or wherever, and you say, Jesus, help me. Anybody that calls out to God, I promise you, he'll help you because he loves you. He really does. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Langford, for another very powerful message, as always. Right well, on point. I hope it touched somebody. I'm, I'm sure it touched did. a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Pastor Langford, thank you so very much for sharing um, and, and for your gracious gift of time. It's always always much appreciated. Well, we're we're happy to do it for you people. God bless everyone. Have a a great week. What's left of it, and try to stay warm. Yeah, you yeah, too. You too. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you down a snow shovel. How's that? That was wonderful, Doug. I appreciate that. Real love <laughs> with an instruction manual. 
yeah. You know, I don't know if my hand will fit the handle. I'll have to pray about that, won't I? <laughs> this is you guys. You. Take care and have a great week. All right. All right. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Well, that was a, a great show. And one thing we didn't get into today that I want to make sure we mention, and we have to talk about this tomorrow in the first hour that we have open, James O'Keefe has been doing an, an expose on Twitter uh, for over a week now, releasing video after video of their employees behind the scenes talking about the different things and ways that they abuse the public's trust and, and Twitter and how Twitter gathers the information. It has since come out that they have a whole division of people that go through pictures, naked pictures people post, and they sell them to other uh, companies. They sell all the information, private tweets. So these companies create these like kind of dossiers on you, if you will. Well, today's explosive video was very interesting. Yeah. James O'Keefe exposes Twitter. Twitter bans users under pressure from other governments, foreign governments, specifically Chinese, the Chinese government. And this uh, came out on Twitter today. Uh, it was uh, James O'Keefe who tweeted this. Twitter bans users under pressure from their foreign governments. We do that a lot for China. And there's a link to the video where you can watch the video. But this has not been making the news. Of course not. As it should. I mean, this is crazy. Maybe because m- m- most Christians, or not most, but some Christians believe that James O'Keefe, you know, would a, would a, um, that his, his tactics are, are bad and such. Come on, man. Um, O'Keefe has exposed more rot, more corruption, more of the internal stuff um, than uh, any other mm-hmm. journalist. So, or you know, most other journalists, I should say. And this talks this goes into a bigger issue of the control that. How much control does China have over our infrastructure, yeah. over uh, Hollywood, over uh, federal land or, or land in the U.S.? Or any government, aside from, in addition to China, not mm-hmm. limited to China. Yeah, so we're going to talk about this tomorrow for sure in the first hour. I want to thank Peter Barry Chowka for joining us in the first hour. Check out his articles on HagmanReport.com. Then Tracy Beans, it was a, a very informative hour. The the Mueller investigation, A to Z, as well as other investigations that are being conducted, and then we close it out with Pastor David Langford. And uh, I'll upload that video I did uh, prior to the show. So check that out, and also follow us on our various social networking. Support us via Patreon, and uh, tell others about our program, please. 